tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today on this Saturday morning. I hope we find you very well indeed. 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. Won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme this morning. Coming up on the show, we'll be speaking to uh, Johnny Luby in just a little while. We have more on the prospect of a Drew flu. Is the HSE trying to cover up the true extent of the trolley crisis? We'll chat about that. And uh, we've no Friday panel today, sadly because of illness, but we will be joined uh, by our great friends uh, Mary Gordon and uh, Joe Noble to have a chat with us. So I'm looking forward to that. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text them WhatsApp 83 311 You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at what's uh, making the headlines today. The Irish Times, their lead story, telling us that the Sinn Féin leader, Mary Lou MacDonald, is now the most popular choice to be the next uh, Taoiseach. The latest uh, Irish Times Ipsos opinion poll has found when voters were asked who they would prefer to see as Taoiseach uh, after the next election. Almost a third, 32% opted for Miss MacDonald. Also on the Irish Times today, that story that a majority of uh, spina bifida patients undergoing spinal surgery at Crumlin Children's Hospital uh, required emergency returns to the operating theatre. A review shows the majority of the 11 children also suffered uh, post-operative infection. The review by the Children's Health Ireland shows. Let's have a look at the Irish Independence. And, uh, yeah, it's not a not a good news uh, headline there either. Double hit as petrol heads to two litre, two euro a litre even, and cost of home oil soaring as well. Concerns are growing that a litre of petrol and diesel will again reach the two euro mark. Combination of a surge in crude oil uh, prices and a weak euro, uh, relative to the dollar that is, is driving up the price of uh, motor fuels as well as home heating oil. Also, uh, much coverage on right across the newspapers today on the death of the wonderful uh, actor um, that is, of course, uh, Michael uh, Gambon, who passed away. And uh, even though he's had a tremendous career in movies and uh, TV and the stage, uh, best known, I suppose, from Harry Potter and Dumbledore and all of that. Um, the Irish Daily Mail and their lead story, a decision by NAMA to sell property for 97% below its former market value after a receiver overseeing the sale was intimidated has been described as a national scandal and officials with uh, NAMA yesterday defended selling a property portfolio in Donegal once valued at around 10 million euro for 265,000 euro uh, finally look at the examiner and uh, for all the uh, golfing fans out there it's dominated by a, a really Happy photograph, Irish members of uh, Team Europe, Rory McElroy and uh, Shane Lowry, along with uh, Scottish teammate Robert McIntyre, share a bit of a laugh during the opening ceremony of the Ryder Cup in Rome. And the, under, the event gets underway uh, with the foursomes this morning, I'm told, but it's a great 
picture there anyway. Also on the Examiner today, we read that European and British intelligence agencies believe the cocaine mothership seized off the Cork coast may have unloaded massive consignments of drugs that were recently seized by French and Spanish authorities. Also on the Examiner today, the Defence Forces may be called upon to beef up security at Leinster House amid uh, rising levels of aggression and abuse directed at politicians and staff. And speaking of abuse and uh, aggression, a doctor was held at gunpoint uh, by a patient uh, seeking drugs while another medic had a chair thrown at them. A survey on abuse within healthcare settings reveals. So not to look at uh, what's making headlines in the newspapers today. Uh, if you want to comment on any of that, we'd love to hear from you. 083 311 Johnny Luby is with me. Johnny Johnny, good morning to you. Well, we'd love to have uh, Johnny Luby with us, uh, but uh, <laughs> I wonder what he's doing at the moment. The Fourpenny Road. Things are not good on the Fourpenny Road. We'll try and get him back and we'll see what the story is because he has much to tell us today, that's for sure. Uh, do keep those calls coming in to Emma on 1800-938-007. As I say, if you want to... Uh, to comment on anything that's been making headlines in the newspapers today or indeed what's coming up in the show today. We'd love to hear from you where that is concerned as well. All right, then, let's try the Fourpenny Road one more time. Johnny, good morning to you. Oh, I see. It's like that, is it? Right. We don't seem to have uh, Johnny with us uh, this morning. So, um, OK, Emma, if you want to try that for me uh, again... And uh, we'll see where we can go, where that is uh, concerned. Um, OK, have we got Johnny there, I wonder? No, we don't. We don't. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take a little break and we'll see if we can make contact with uh, the Fourpenny Road just outside of Golden there. But if you're in the area, wave, wave to him and tell him, pick up the phone and do it properly this time. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Good morning, Johnny Luby. How are you, Johnny? Fran, how's it going, lad? We you fu- made one mistake this morning, stopping off. You said on this Saturday morning. <laughs> so I believe, so lots of our listeners told me. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if I worked even on a Saturday morning. <laughs> so there's no excuse whatsoever. How are you, Johnny? Fran, top of the morning to myself. Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks be to God, yeah. We're, Fran, we had a big winner yesterday in the schools, national schools uh, cross-country in Croke in Tullus at their magnificent venue. Imagine almost 4,300 youngsters turned out just oh, wow. across country. Fantastic. And, of course, I better mention Lucy Heffernan. She won the girls possibly under nines or tens because for fourth class, and uh, she came home uh, uh, in a, in a, to win the titles. This is your little granddaughter, Lucy. That's right, yeah. Oh, Unbelievable. Fine. Well, That's the girl that I was talking to from Portugal and yes. that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah hate us fantastic all together. There's a lovely photo of her on WhatsApp there. She had tears in her eyes. And of course another young fella dear friend, you'd you'd know his people uh, as well as young a guy a young fella called Ben Butler. 
mm. uh, he won the uh, fourth class buys uh, in the cross country as well and he'd be a grandson of John Grogan's oh, that God. played uh, the Hearty yeah. Cup with me and on the tip minors back in 72 or 3 there so uh, certainly it, uh, it was uh, uh, wonderful for the Canorty National School and, and indeed to all the schools that took out the youngsters to uh, compete uh, to think that there was 4,300 youngsters in that Croke Athletic Club there in Tullus uh, could host the entire venue. It was fantastic to see so many youngsters doing the athletics and long may they stay at it, you know. Yeah, because of course it's the core of every sport when you think about it, Johnny, you know. to be That's right, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, uh, Franny, it, uh, it certainly is. And when one looks at the likes of Bundy Aki, the Irish centre in the rugby, and the speed that he builds up yeah. immediately in the first 10 or 12 years, it's unbelievable. Uh, the the pace is, is great for any sport. You know that you get to the ball first, and you can do what you what you want with the ball. You're better if you have a bit of pace. Mm. Uh, it, it is vital, you know. But for ourselves here on, on the Fortney Road, I think that Lucy was after winning. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and that she rang me up, even uh, all excited, and <laughs> uh, that so they have some kind of a WhatsApp thing amongst the families, and that they showed me a photo because my phone doesn't allow uh, any of those modern things. Yeah. But. Uh, uh, I was just uh, did I ever miss? I probably should have been there, but I didn't actually know it. It was on yesterday. Otherwise, I would have been over there. You know. Yeah, well, a great, great occasion indeed. Uh, speak, right, speaking yeah. of which, GA County semi-finals uh, in the, the senior. That's right, Jeff. Yeah. And it's a huge weekend on the Tipperary GAC when you have the likes of Tumi Vera v Kildangan and of course a lot more Castellani taking on the might of the Southfields. Uh, I still think that the two semi-finals should be on at the one venue mm. on the one day. That's my opinion, but there's always. Uh, they like the government they always have an answer for everything uh, Tullus uh, to hold maybe for both uh, semi-finals might have held about 10,000 well when you have three or 4,000 in Tullus it's an eerie silence in there yeah. no matter what uh, and that but uh, I'd fancy the Southfields in the, against Lockmore and I suppose I would fancy Kildang and maybe against the Bison Tumi Vera but I've no doubt there will be close encounters and then you have the likes of in the Premier Intermediate you have uh, my beloved Cashel King Cormacs have advanced to a semi-final you know and it's they take on Laura Dora and I would fancy Cashel King Cormac here to be marvellous for West Tipperary if we had another club uh, uh, up senior and of course then you have uh, uh, this, the Mike Herty or you have Killen Oil against Tolla Southfield's B team and the Premier and if Tolla Southfield's B team advanced there could be two teams eventually senior running in the Southfields and whether that's good or bad I don't know but they won't give two hoots anyway if they have two teams mm. uh, Kill, uh, Killinall are going well and a fellow was telling me the other day a bit of a true story of course you know I might as well tell you the truth I think Glasheen's in Holy Cross and he possibly had six or he possibly had six or seven <laughs> pints in when he told me this confidentially if you don't mind Mike Herkey Boris and Killinall they're kind of bouncing each other yeah. uh, and uh, imagine friend that they have the same colours the robins they call them the red and the yellow yes and uh, I asked if, I asked your man that seemingly knew it all. He was a McCarthy man. I said, no, how did the Robin, how did Killinall end up with the same colour jerseys? And he said, our parish was a small bit more better off than uh, Killinall years and years ago. This, now, this is get the, the crowd going. Uh, and uh, and he said, Killinall were playing a big tournament final, but they had no jerseys. And they asked McCarthy for a loan of their jerseys, which McCarthy duly obliged. 
the next thing was killing all won the tournament in the final and they reckon the Jelsies were the good looking and never getting back to my county borders if that's like Ripley's believe believe it or believe it not what a great story uh, and yeah. yeah I'd be often wondering how all the the clubs out there got their uh, colours for one reason or another. I'd know the likes of uh, Ross Gray or Red and White. And, uh, of course, one of my favourite clubs that I started following is uh, Knock. They play a county junior B final, and it is wonderful for them. I think they have the, the blue with the sesh, something like Borla and Duella. Hmm. Uh, then you have Golden Kilfeekle, green and white, and you have Kappa White in all white, and you have Clonality Ross Moore in the green and golden. They all, and I've no doubt that there's probably a story attached to many of them of how they got their colours the Sean Tracy's above would be the blue and gold as well uh, mm. and that I think Kildangan are blue and gold there's plenty of uh, uh, the same colours around in the various clubs but uh, uh, it, it is certainly a huge weekend and then ourselves uh, Golden Kilpeakle we are playing uh, Kilsheel and Kilcash that match I think has now been transferred to Bench tomorrow instead oh, of Lickleton it was, for Littleton, was it? No? Yeah, I understood it was Littleton, but yeah. now I'm told that it, it's in bench tomorrow. Oh. Uh, Sheelan would be the favourites going in, but Gold and Kilpeakle are playing very well under Connor Gleeson. He came in coaching them there maybe a month ago and has done very well with them. And I wouldn't be at all surprised were Gold and Kilpeakle to advance to a final. As John Corbin, the secretary, said to me, they, uh, they're in bonus territory now for a team that was looking at relegation. They're now in a county semi-final, so the best of luck to them. And in the other semi-final, then you're Borland, well, taking on the might of uh, Money Gall, who are possibly the favourites to win it out. But uh, I've no doubt that the boys from Borland are probably short one or two due to injury. But they're going to take a lot of... Uh, uh, going to have to, uh, to beat uh, Borland well. When they're on song, they can be a hard team to beat. Mm. So all in all, Fanny, it's huge. And of course, then we have Timmy Flyde's beloved Newport taking on the neighbours, Port Row, in a relegation battle. So Newport could be coming down to play the likes of Golden Kilpeakle eventually or Port Row coming down. One of them will have to come down anyway. So I've no doubt that if Newport stay up, we'll hear gay old Newport town being sung far and wide from uh, the great Timmy Flyde. Yeah. And, uh, of course, friend, you have uh, the, the rugby last weekend. What a mouth-watering oh clash yeah. it was between Ireland and uh, South Africa. Now, people might say that if South Africa the kicker, had a kicker with possibly would have been beaten. But mm. nevertheless, we've done very well considering that we missed many of our line-outs, which mm. is a huge thing. If you, if you don't win your line-out in rugby, you're in trouble then. But Ireland performed brilliantly. And when you look at it on the world map, we're a very small country, boxing possibly way above our weight with superb players. Mm. Uh, and that's, so uh, it's going to be a, a, an intriguing encounter. And of course, if we do happen to beat Scotland next Saturday week, they will have Ben Healy from Nina, if you don't mind, playing at out half for Scotland and little did we think from a young fellow that played his played his trade in the Feddots and the Clan Mills and the Tullus and the Kilpeakles and the Clan Willans and the Galbellies uh, and he played with Nina in under 10s and 12 rugby that uh, he would eventually go forward to play for Scotland and the very best of luck to him as we weren't able to hold on to him in the in the province mm -hmm. uh, and that he's a wonderful kicker but that's going to be a huge match Saturday week and of course the prize for ourselves if we win is a quarter final against the All Blacks yeah. So we certainly got the rough end of the stick there. Yeah, how how are they performing, Johnny? And hey, the All Blacks are the All Blacks. They yeah. like Limerick and the Holland. They'll always be there, and that's it. Even when they go through bad times, they bring wonderful followings, and they play an exciting brand of rugby. And they're going to be very hard to beat. Mm. But uh, uh, look, it's like everything else. Uh, 
uh, Ireland, of course, as some of the lads from the rugby club, they got the flights from Cork to Heathrow and from then the Euro Tunnel down to France and they had wonderful times mm. uh, uh, down there. Would you believe they told me that a drink never passed their lips? Would no, I wouldn't. That? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> and I won't even mention him. But uh, I doubt it very much. Uh, uh, some yeah. uh, somebody in an Irish pub in Paris. He just said, "Ye Irish," he said, "ye continue to amaze me the way you can play rugby." He says and drink port also. <laughs> I suppose it's part and parcel of this rugby setup. But hey, it's wonderful. And then you have the world uh, uh, golf as well, which I, I I'd follow uh, the Ryder Cup with the Americans and the Irish, and of course it's brilliant uh, uh, for all concerned. So it is something to, to, mm. to uh, uh, tune into. I, I wanted to mention again, friend, uh, the Richie and Breda Horgan, uh, the hospice yeah. uh, movement, uh, and the tremendous work. I was only reading more articles and collected almost a quarter of a million in 10 years. And wasn't it? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable yeah. and unbelievable to keep it going and unbelievable to get the mm. support. But the hospice would always get huge support. We had a huge morning ourselves on Friday morning last hour, bringing cups here, there, and every place. It was fantastic. And we don't know the figure yet, but we'll know it in a couple That's of weeks great. because we're still open for a few uh, donations. And, and can I mention this, this Sunday as well? Because Catherine Ryan was on to know what Johnny mentioned about this Sunday for South Chip Hospice again, but it's in, uh, in Banshee, in Templary Church there from half past nine on this that's right Sunday Jeff morning, that's yeah. on, on Sunday morning yeah. as well and of course friend, we have the hospice morning in the Abbey Court in Nina oh, yeah. on yeah. Uh, Tuesday from 11 to 1 that's for the Deirdre Darcy Hogan uh, uh, Foundation and uh, of course it's like everything else friend. uh a sincere thanks to the Abbey Court. They're sponsoring the morning, so hopefully, and uh, many of the retired guards and all of that will be there uh, to support this wonderful cause. So the best of luck to them. It's uh, uh, the mm. 2nd of October, so the very best of luck to them. And of course, uh, friend, last Saturday morning, I wasn't doing anything for an hour, so I got into the car and headed for Clonna Cody House. Ah, very good. Very good. What a place, friend. Yeah. Michael and Helen. My mm. God, friend, I did say to Michael, I said, You picked up her up. I said, She's, She might. Must have been in the Rosa Trelli. She's a so beautiful woman, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I saw the venue where you'd be uh, playing yeah. flying your country yeah. in Western trade. Uh, and uh, a fantastic setup. Of course, I would have known Michael Brennan for a long time. I've known his dad, Mick Brennan. He was one of our lorry drivers in Avonmore Creameries years ago. I remember I was canvassing for TJ Maher. He was going for Europe. Yeah. He was a wonderful orator and speaker and everything else. And uh, I was canvassing for him because I was working in Avonmore Creameries. They sent me off for a couple of days. They said I was in the way in the inside in the office. So they sent me off canvassing. <laughs> and there I met wonderful people, I suppose farmers mostly, but... Uh, uh, the, when I went on, when we got TJ Maharin, then I went on a, we were brought aboard, brought on a tour to, uh, Oh, the Black Forest and uh, to Strasbourg. And mm. uh, there was a pub in Strasbourg called Bang the Bells, where you get in after 12 o'clock at night, you're literally banging the bells outside the door. <laughs> and I'd done a bit of a commentary on it, a fictitious commentary. And I teach him and her getting up on the line to beat uh, Noel Davin, the Lord of Mercy on boat now. And uh, I went to interview them afterwards. And you know, Noel Davin, I would have possibly been, been thought of as maybe uh, Fina Fall as such. But uh, I interviewed Noel. Davin, I said, what was it like to, to finish second in that 
a tremendous race where I had uh, TJ winning. And he says, Johnny Luby, he said, you're in everybody's camp. He says, you're the unpredictable. We just can't follow who, you, who you're actually supporting. But, Fran, for the first time I ever got on trams and prams and everything else, I thought they were all free. So that time I was young, fellow, and the whole lot. So I jumped on trams and we had Tommy Connor from Dang and Derry and Patsy and John Sadder and Marie Sadder uh, and that, and a wonderful guy, the Lord of Mercy upon him as well. But, uh, Fran, I had an awful lot of money going out and Siobhan was only maybe two that's the mother of Lucy Heffernan mm. uh, Siobhan was only two so they held a collection on the bus that I could buy her a velvet dress and we have a photo over here I'm looking at it on the wall they all turn in a pound a piece Go on. My missus, of course, didn't know anything about it and about the collection. She thought I was the greatest man in Ireland to bring back a dress. Forty <laughs> pounds about forty years ago, uh, and that wow. so got away with got away with murder and all of those things. But hey, they were fantastic great, great times looking back on them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Friend, of course, the Camel races were on yesterday. They're on again in a couple of weeks' time. The Tipperary have their huge meeting on Sunday. It's the Super Sunday. They have the big screen there. They have uh, tremendous flash races, two or three of them, and hurdle races. They're all graded races. And, of course, a couple of chases as well with a bumper thrown in. And, uh, of course, you have Tullus. They were flat. The only flat meeting they have that starts next Thursday. And after that, then it's back to the national hunt scene. And, of course, on the greyhound scene, we have... Uh, Two tremendous tracks in the county, Clanmel and Tullus, and of course, if you're looking for a Christmas office party or whatever the case may be, uh, they can cater for you, so go in time. And uh, mentioning uh, Christmas, of course, I must mention Joe Whelan's inside in Tip Town. Mm. They have all the mud cons there for, for Santa Claus has delivered them already. So anyway, it's a great shop. Uh, isn't friend, it? Great, great that, history to that shop as well, of course. Oh, yeah. hey, unbelievable! Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that the Dweller Ploughing match tomorrow Saturday times are from twelve o'clock onwards, and of course in the evening then they're presenting prizes with a bit of music and food and crack so, uh, in the Hoff and Hound, and uh, of course some of the proceeds when all the expenses are taken out will go to the hospital so fair play to them the scouts hall in Nina friends Saturday night the Mary Lynch dance Dermot Lines is playing and all proceeds go to the Motor Neuron mm. uh, Association which is a fantastic uh, set up and in Canorty they celebrate today friend from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock the open day it's the bicentenary uh uh, of the school and the book which has been uh, sold out but there's still maybe a couple of books available a limited edition don't lose out it says get your copy before they run out uh, it's for a Christmas present and uh, of course friend often you'd read things on papers mm. And you wouldn't know who to believe. I'm just quoting, I wrote it down. Eamon Ryan said, building nuclear energy plants does not make economic sense in Ireland. And he's the minister. Mm. Right. Billy Keller of the EEC, the Engineers of Ireland, and Airgrid's chief executive, Mark Foley, suggested nuclear should now be considered in the context of the climate crisis. Who do you believe? Well, I don't know. It's very successful in France, these miniature nuclear operations, you know, so I don't know. But of course, I, you'd never get that past the public here in Ireland. I mean, we have an aversion to anything nuclear, I suppose. <laughs> I don't give two hoots if they push it up or don't put you it don't up. Don't care, do you don't care, do you? On the road, it makes no difference to me whatsoever. Actually, that would be the brother. ideal place for a nuclear reactor. <laughs> yeah, I told road, my yeah. brother, I told my brother, Jim, uh, as late as just the morning, I said, I think we're going to get snow in the next two or three days. And he just 
took the fag out of the mouth and he says, and what can we do about it? <laughs> so, can, what can we do what about can we it? Do you it? Know? Hey, do you remember last year you were with us at the uh, Best of Tip Awards in the... the, the oh, Andrew. quite That's, so, that's yes. coming up again this year, you know? And uh, we're I putting quite. it out there. I was asked to, to, say, to speak about this while you were on with me, Johnny. So uh, just All to right. urge people to nominate businesses, you know, in the various categories around the... Yes, I find it a fantastic night. Uh, yeah. A fantastic night there last year. You know, and your barbers and hairdressers and different uh, pubs. Mother of God, friend, I'll tell you, I'd have some problem in picking the pubs because I noticed any of the pubs that we, we're going to know is that they'll always slap a pint up just to get a mention. <laughs> it's like Fitzpatrick's above in Clanmore. I got the dinner the whole bloody lot shot. It's a fantastic yeah. set up. <laughs> I know, yeah. It works very well for you. I, I noticed nobody gives me free pints, but anyway. Um, the, the, uh, by the way, nominations on tipfm.com as well if you want to have a look at the various categories there and we will announce the shortlist on Monday October 9th and of course that big night and Johnny I hope you'll be with everybody there on the 24th on the 24th on the 24th please God yeah and friend my old this is for all them care dealers out there my old care is going bad at the moment oh Johnny is it right I just wrote down four lines of some bit of a ditty it said this did this on you did it ever dawn if you're changing the care, go to factories of Pocahontas. Tell them you're looking for an automobile for reasonable value that you can say to everybody, "Twas a steal." Now, do you think factories are, li- are, are listening in? You're looking. You're looking for a free car on a barter account. <laughs> <laughs> do you think uh, this is RTE fine. or something, Johnny? Do you? Yeah, fine. I have 500,000 kilometres nearly on it. Have you? I, I, w- I wouldn't wonder. I wouldn't wonder with the way you're <laughs> no, going around but, the county. Uh, friend, just yeah. to, go, to go back to Clanna Cody House, after going, uh, driving in the passageway and that, isn't it a magnificent scenery oh, there? it's just beautiful. It's unbelievable. Beautiful. And, you know, it was a cold morning last Saturday morning and they had uh, the three stove fires lighting. I know. Uh, and there were ladies around the fire place when they having a chat and things like that. Mm. Hey, it was fantastic. And I tried come back into Federton and from Federton I pulled into the corner house there. I can't think of the name of the place. Uh but uh and belted on to Cashel by mm. uh, that bed bend in coal mine and there yeah. I saw John Welsh's house. That's his son, Father Joe that talks every son every second Sunday oh, morning yes, along with course, Father yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Uh, uh they are telling us to to be good and behave and the whole lot of I think he's yourself he's talking about <laughs> not me. But uh, yeah look I uh, all yeah. all great people come up then by him and his of Kilconnell and, and on by Moakler's Hill and into Cashel, you know, to say to the grand part of the countryside. Isn't just, so, isn't just, yeah, so, I have to wrap things up, Johnny, because we're, we're late because we couldn't get in touch with you in the Fourpenny Road this morning. I'm actually on the way to a, 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 getting ready to go to a wedding in a place called The Falls. Oh, I, I know. In, in, in Ennis Diamond. Ennis Diamond. Yeah. Great hotel. Yeah. Great hotel. Yeah, I well, know. And friend, you wouldn't know where I'll go after that. You wouldn't know where I'd be next week when you give a bell. <laughs> Some lovely pubs in Ennis Diamond, by the way. Some gorgeous pubs. Oh, yeah, friend. Hey, drink driving. I can't do it. Oh, today. sure, I My know missus, that. Uh, yeah, don't you know the usual now? She won't drive now. And that's it because she knows well that I can drink and drive. So yeah, she, have a couple of said, zero Guinnesses somewhere along the way. Uh, yeah, I might yeah. give it a, a, some bit of a taste going. Yeah. So, friend, hello to uh, 
Jerome Weiss and a good few more lads that uh, uh, they're listening in TJ and the racetrack in Clonmel killing all men true and true and uh, many many more the best of luck to all the hollers uh, out this weekend it's fantastic and of course I must mention the Tracy's and a Cathy Rogue I think they're in a county 19B final I meet the great Mick Ryan Wall every so often in Tip Town on a Friday he'd be in at the mark there so very good by, by Carkey Miners as well uh, best wishes in the county final tomorrow against Newport and also Junior A ladies that are playing Brian Baroos in the county semi as well. Okay, so. And Frank didn't hold them in. The ladies are down to semi-finals in the Camogie as well yeah. with a big game. Uh, Clonolty Rossmore against Boris Ali, and of course you have Clonolty in the relegation battle against the Brackens. Yes, we'd love to see Clonolty and Westy Prairie staying up. It's important that we would have seen your holding in to Westy Prairie, oh, and I've no doubt sure. Declan will have them well tuned. Johnny, in. I must go. The they're giving out. They're giving out to me here, and they're saying, "Stop right, talking to Johnny." Right, right. Good, good luck, Johnny. Good luck. Good, good luck. luck. Good luck. Bye, bye, bye. That's the great Johnny Luby. Uh, we'll take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, the Garda Commissioner has issued a fresh appeal for the GRA to enter talks to resolve the dispute over rosters. Uh, The GRA, of course, the Garda Representative Association. However, uh, he says, Garda have been informed that rosters will change on November 6th. Now, rank-and-file Gardaí will not work voluntary overtime on Tuesdays in October and they've threatened effective strike action on November the 10th. Now, we spoke to uh, Richie Kennedy, uh, who is the current GRA rep on the show yesterday, who made clear the feelings of the current force, but we were interested to hear the views of former members. And I'm glad to be joined by Tom Finnan. Tom, of course, former Garda and former GRA rep for Tipperary as well. Tom, Tom, good morning to you. Morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Tom, and uh, good to talk to you today. Um, you have the opportunity, I suppose, to look at this um, from the outside now, Tom. Uh, so what are you making of uh, all the recent uh, shenanigans? Um, I'm glad if you kind of in a sad place, friend, at the moment. Uh, we, went in, we, as in the GRA, in my time, went into negotiations on a roster. Um, there was... Lots and lots of meetings in Westminster, and each time there was a proposal or an agreement on a day the following day to change. Um, the commissioner's uh, people, his chiefs, that came to those negotiations, always changed and always put their own uh, spin on the table and wouldn't negotiate. This is what we want. Uh, there was no negotiating, and you just can't. I can't deal with people like that. And the 6th of November is a date on the calendar, friend. Uh, it's no big deal. And I can't see why Drew Harris can't uh, push that out and negotiate properly and get a roster that's fit for purpose for every member of Ngannishia coming out for them to work and happily go about their jobs. Um, guards don't want to be in dispute. We want to serve the public. We serve the public to the best of our ability. We're the only uh, Garda or police force that is consensual. And we do a good job, even though since Drew Harris came into power, we're a corrupt organisation. 
And, and they're very big statements in indeed, Tom. We, what did you make of what Minister McEntee said last evening? She was speaking from Brussels and she said there's nobody, and that means the Garda Commissioner nor the Garda Associations who believe that either the current roster or the previous and incumbent roster is the right roster moving forward. But she says we all want to negotiate a new roster if that's possible. Would you explain to us why the GRA couldn't allow November 6th to be still on the table but go in with open minds in terms of changing things? Why Why was it so important to get that off the table if there was the possibility of negotiation there, Tom? Well, from my view, looking from the outside in, it's like, friend, you're, you're on 9 to 11 or 9 to 12 there most mornings, right? Yeah. And someone in the power to be in Tip FM Say, friend, you come in now and you work 12 to 4 without any consultation, mm. without any talk. Like, everyone knows there's a roster needed. But having a date in the sand and transferring from the 4 on 4 off to the 6 4 and being in negotiations then to sort a roster for everyone, and that could be sorted by Christmas, and then that is brought in in January. You have three changes of rosters in seven, eight months, eight weeks, ten weeks. So that's not that's not correct. And all I can say to you is the, the GRA have come out in force. There was never a mandate like they have in relation to the 99% have no confidence in the Garda Commissioner. And that's a sad day for policing in Ireland that the Garda Commissioner is, is felt like by the, the, the members on the ground who have came out in force, friends, to vote. Never, ever have I seen a vote with 80-something percent. And, I mean, from that, and again, from being outside of the force now, Tom, do you do you see the Garda Commissioner's position as being tenable following all of this? Brian, honestly, no, I don't. He's lost the dressing room. And if, when you lose the dressing room and you're, I'm from a sporting background, we, we had a manager in a club, in my club, who uh, lost the dressing room. We brought him in with one team, and he went cracked. He cracked up, and we just said, sorry, your services are no longer required. But it, and in, in this case, though, I mean, because of the nature of the Gardaí, I mean, this is a this is a force that's based on, on a discipline. It's an organisation that's based on discipline from the top down. And if that begins to disintegrate... We'll all suffer, will we not, Tom? I don't believe we will, friend. Um, I don't think the general public will suffer because the carers get on with their duty. We had a blue flu in 1998. We were close to one in 2016. We rode back from that at, at the last minute due to the fact that Noreen O'Sullivan came with proposals. Mm. But all I can say to you is, in 98, we went for a blue flu. It was done. But still, if you check your records, I checked the records. There was an armed robbery in Bray that day, and the guards were there. So all I'll say to you is, the guards are disciplined. It's the people that are running the guards at the moment now that are not up, not fit for purpose, in my view, because I, 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 I can remember being interviewed by you in 2019. My first meeting with Drew Harris, I had a go at him over the operation police and model and my temporary and clear work together. He couldn't answer me. And I said, do you realise the problems on the ground in Tipperary? And he said, no, but whatever problems there is, 
you fix the book, we'll fix them as we're going along. And I said, that's not the way to do businesses. You fix the problems before you, you move on to a new a new gig or a new game or whatever. And I said to him, are you serious with this? So anyway, that meeting was over, and there was an assistant commissioner there, and I just happened to ask the assistant commissioner, um, why, is, why is Stephen Clare together? How did you, you come up with that? Please, tell me, because we had to go through Limerick to get to Ennis. Mm. There's only cross the bike to kill a loo. Right? From someone to go, if you're to stay within the division, from Clonmel up to Killaloo, Fort Hill, and then go down to Ennis. Ridiculous. So the, the assistant commissioner, he actually said to me, we didn't know where else to put you. Wow. So, but that's what you're dealing with, friend. Like, you're dealing with a, you're dealing with a commissioner now who, who was put in place by Fine Gale, this government. They have to fix it. This government, or the previous government, was led by Fine, Fine Gale, right? They have to fix it. He's not the answer, in, in my view, mm. to fix this, because he's, he's dug in. He won't change his day. A, a simple thing of changing this. And if you ask me, he's trying to bully his way into negotiations that he's, he wants to go to the WRC or the LRC or whatever independent place uh, there is out there to get his way and no way. And that's not the way to do business. Now, you, you know, he that's would not... he would completely disagree with you on, on that, and I know that he completely and entirely refutes any suggestion that he's shown contempt for rank and file. And he said, in fact, he's done the exact opposite, Tom, in his actions over the last five years. Well, friend, that's not correct, because why is Morel actually in the gutter? Yeah. And why yesterday did he go to the police authority and start talking about certain members uh to deflect from his own actions. He's deflecting the whole time from his his management of the, the force. And his management of the force since 2018, in my record, is between 1 and 10, it's between 1 and 2. Very poor. Uh, and that's why morale is at a low. And I would, I would, I would say to the rest of the, the associations within Angara Shikana, as in AGSI, the Supers, and the Chiefs, Come out and tell the truth. Come out and tell what, what's really happening on the ground. Because they're not. They're afraid to. And I'm outside now, friend, and I can tell you, X, Y, and Z, I can go through stories why people are suspended. And they shouldn't be suspended. But that's not for here now. Here now. You of asked course. me a question about Drew. Yeah. You, asked me a, you asked me a question about Drew Harris. Right? The roster is the common point at the moment. But there's discipline, there's morale, there's IMS, there's all new um, operation policing models. I can tell you, friend, what they're trying to ram in is not good for the general public and policing in Ireland. And can I ask you about something else that the Commissioner has brought up about this? Because he said he had to choose between uh, the current roster and the one that he is advocating, which was the, the pre-COVID one, he said um, it was both more expensive and it gave poorer service delivery and the only agreed roster to ensure uh, greater policing visibility. So so just, just go to the bit about that, that it's more expensive to have the current uh, um, roster, which is the four, four days of 12, 12 hour shifts. What, what do you make of that? Well, fine. Prior... Prior to the money side of it during COVID, there was no, there was no problem with this four-on-four act during COVID, right? And money was spent on it, right? Suddenly, when COVID is gone or in decline, 
there's a money issue. But mm. there's nothing about... There's nothing... At the start, what was, what, what was said was we're losing uh, valuable investigation hours on the four-on-four-on. Four on. Friend, we haven't lost the high-power high case. There's no case that has went to court and was found to be uh, not investigated correctly. The DPV wouldn't allow that. So all I'm saying to you, the spin's put in everything, and Drew Harris take a look at himself because he's the, he's the, he's the problem. And his management side uh, of the problem. Friend, his, his deputies and his assistant commissioner didn't even have his phone number up to when I served in the board up to 2022. So, so where where from here then, Tom? I mean, it's it seems to be stalemate at at this point. And where from here do you think? If the girl, if the girl commissioner doesn't um, change the sixth of November and push it out for negotiations on a new roster to take place, and the GRA go ahead with all their um, days of uh, whatever whatever days they are, friends. Especially the 10th of November. Mm. If, the 10th, if the 10th of November happens, Commissioner Drew Harris' position is untenable. That's my view. And, friends, there was negotiations all that again. I'm still in contact with a lot of members from the executive. They all, some of them still ring me actually and ask my opinion. But anyway, make a long story short, last weekend there was negotiations going on with the deputy. Yes. For the 6th of November to be taken off the table. There was movement on it. And that was without Drew Harris. Drew Harris was out of, out of Paris. But suddenly he comes back, and on Tuesday, there's a different um, slant on it, or a different momentum. Because it wasn't his momentum. And I use the word bully, and I think he's trying to bully things that he's not... And why not. why is the GRA slow? I mean, you know, that colossal vote of no confidence in the commissioner, and still the organisation is not essentially calling for his head. So what 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 is that about? They're not allowed to call for his head. Well, I mean, they're, they're, you're not allowed to strike either, but you're finding ways around it, you know? Yeah, well, at the moment, he's, he's still in place, and he's still in place at the behest of, of the Irish government. Right? Friends, yes. I'll tell you one last story now, right? At the 2019 conference, before COVID, uh, there, was, there was a question and answer from the floor with the Gaelic Commissioner within the delegates. Mm. And one delegate stood up and asked the Gaelic Commissioner, Gaelic Commissioner, I question for you in relation to discipline. What is wrong with a member standing up to his superiors and saying, sorry, I made a mistake? He couldn't answer and and what what point are you are are you making there? I mean, well, the point I'm making, friend, is that we all make mistakes. Right? Yes, and and, all, and if we acknowledge we, them, is that is that what you mean? If it's yeah, if we acknowledge them, the external agencies uh, of GSAC or the Garda inspectors don't have to be called for everything. Right, and and do you, and is that part of what's damaging morale in 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 the force? Do you think? Oh, well, without a doubt. Yeah. GSAC, it's alleged that a guard member has assaulted someone, right? There's a section 2 and a section 3 assault. Section 2 assault is 
is the minor and section 3 is the major. Mm. Right? If that goes to TikTok, right, and they're overworked, we're told, they'll bring that up, they'll rise that up to section 3 of SOS because you have a 12-month time frame to get at it, to investigate it. So section two, you're only six months. So you, you, you and and you think that's based on the fact that they're under pressure to make decisions as well. They're under pressure to make decisions, and All right. I, I've seen I've seen section two assaults, friend, that weren't even assaults, being upped section three assaults. So look. All right, Tom. There's a lot of, a lot of people responsible, friend. Uh, the government, the police authority are not doing their job properly either. They're they're supposed they're support. They're support All right, Tom. Well, I, I must I must leave it there, Tom. But uh, thanks so much for your time uh, this morning. Good to talk to you again. That's Tom Finnan there. Tom is a former Garda and, of course, former GRA rep for Tipperary as well. What do you make of that? 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 83 Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 Kennedy, who won gold yesterday in his category at the cross-country uh, event in uh, Thurless. And uh, seemingly, um, Porrick is Bonnie Kennedy's son. So well done to you, Porrick. And of course, that's playing into my conversation with uh, Johnny uh, about sports and about all sorts of other stuff uh, earlier on as well. Yeah, I know I got it wrong at the top of the show. I thought it was Saturday, even though... Uh, that doesn't really explain me uh, losing my mind this morning because I don't work on Saturdays. But anyway, um, Deputy Martin Brown was on to say that you made two mistakes, Fran. You got the day wrong. And he also said um, that Mary is on Mary Lou is on 32%. In fact, she's on 42%. Well, I beg to differ with you uh, about that. Maybe we're reading uh, different, uh, different stats on it because seemingly Mary Lou MacDonald, according to the Times, and they, they commissioned the, the poll, Martin, uh, clear top choice for Taoiseach, backed by almost a third of voters. That's 32%. And that's strongly mirroring the party's uh, vote share uh, as well. Um, what you might be confusing it with is that the Sinn Féin support level is standing at 44% among those aged 18 to 24. Now, it's a group comprising of students and young workers indeed. And I'm sure there's a lot of envy uh, at that particular uh, percentage as well from, from other parties because that means that according to the polls at least, uh, Sinn Féin has a good grasp on a young on the young vote. Anyway, 083 311 For the Grail councillor Michael Fitzgerald was speaking this week and calling for an immediate action on road safety measures in Tipperary particularly near Menard and he said that uh, the worst fears of residents who live there are coming to pass now and wants to meet the TII to urge them to take action on a stretch of the N24 where there's been uh, a recent uh, death as well as numerous other collisions. Uh, Tony joins me online now. Tony, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. It's a stretch of road that many people are familiar with, uh, Tony. Um, t- tell me about your work in that area. Well, 
When I was uh, a member from Gardaí-Síochána, I was stationed in Tipperary Town, so we covered that part of of the N24. And um, it is, I mean, it's an extremely busy road without, um, you know, being a little bit lighthearted. It's the main Limerick-Moscow road, as you might say. Yeah. Because it, it, it is, it's an excessively busy road, a lot of freight. And what we must never forget is an awful lot of the traffic that is travelling on that road, they don't want to stop in Munar. They don't want to stop in Tipperary Town. They don't want to stop in Clonmel. They want to, to get further afield. And yet we are still having to travel through all of these little places. I mean, it, it crying out for a decent... Uh, route from from the west of Ireland right down to Rosslare. We have a fantastic new bridge and things in New Ross, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, yeah. when it comes to to uh, Tipperary and and uh, onto Limerick, we've been badly let down. I think. And what about? I mean, we're we're hearing a lot of positives in terms of a bypass for Tipperary Town that would link up a Solihead area there to what is it to to Care or is it to, to outside of Bancha? <laughs> I think there's been several different routes. They've been talking about this for basically, certainly for the last 25 years it's been muted. But I don't really see any any uh, concrete um, actions being taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, I mean, Tipperary Town is a terrible bottleneck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other side is if something happens, and the road has to be closed, that's when it really becomes very obvious for all that that, that, that we're just not able to cope with the traffic. And you, that, that you've we... investigated collisions on that road. So you're in no doubt that this is a very dangerous portion of road, the one that we're referring to. It, it, is, it is a very... Da- Look, let's be under no illusion. Driving is dangerous in itself on any road. Yeah. Our safest roads are our motorways where you have the two carriageways separated. And thankfully, by and large, most people drive on the correct side of the road. Mm. But when you have um, uh, one single road with with two uh, bi-directional traffic on the one, where there's no separation, you're relying on people's judgment to keep them on the correct side of the road. That's where you have a lot of the dangers. And um, we see it time and time again that a lot of these roads, they haven't really changed yet. We've had an exponential expansion of the amount of traffic and, and especially heavy goods vehicles using. We we spoke uh, a while ago about our, our uh, rail network. Yes. And our rail network is now a minuscule compared to what it was sort of 120 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the amount of freight being carried on our roads is, is absolutely unbelievable. Yet, um, we haven't, our roads haven't kept pace. By and large, a lot of our regional roads have not kept pace. Yes, we have our motorways and things like that, but a lot of our roads have just not kept pace with the amount of traffic that we need them. And we have people like the Green Party on about wasting fuel. I would have to contend that the greatest waste of fuel is a lot of our road system where you're sitting in traffic for no other reason than that yes. the road is just not and it's polluted. It's polluted again. If you look at it from a green point of view, it's polluting the air in our towns as well. The the other additional thing in the area that we're talking about, Tony, is there's that rat run now into Tipperary Town where motorists are trying coming out by St Anne's School there and trying to 
sort of avoid the traffic in the town. But that makes coming out onto the main road very dangerous then, doesn't it? It does. You have at Barronstown Cross, you, yes. you, you have um, you have that uh, area there. And it is, it's a, it's a horrible junction because if you're coming out from Tipperary Town, you're coming out there and the, the road dips to your left. So it's very hard to see it. And traffic is, it, it can do 100 kilometres an hour there. Yeah. And it, 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 it is... It, it is dangerous. Look, let's let's face it. Roads are dangerous. Getting out of bed in the morning is fraught with danger. But we've all got to be careful. Mm. And signage even in the area is very sparse, is it not, when you consider that it is a, an accident spot? Yes. Well, uh, the, the, we've got to be able to drive on all types of roads. And putting up signs is all very well. But the person driving has to take responsibility for their own driving. They yeah. can't blame lack of signs for not being able to control their vehicle and control their speed uh, and things like this. So it is, it's incumbent on, on the local authorities to have signage. But when do you say enough is enough? We have a lot of cases where there's so much signage that it obstructs views as well. Yes, yeah. Especially at junctions. Yeah. And what, what sign is appropriate for maybe a truck where they can see over the sign blocks the view for a, a, a motorist in a car, things like this. You know, common sense, although it, it, it's kind of a little bit of an anomaly to call it that, if, if you like, but it's not that common, obviously. But we have to be responsible for our own actions. And if you're coming up and you can't see, you can't just pull out. You have to make sure that it's clear. Um, Michael Fitzgerald, is, he's calling on, on people to... to get out and to protest, I suppose, about this. He says we need a huge campaign to improve uh, road safety. Do you, do you go along, do you think something like that, a, a campaign to improve road safety, is that effective uh, from your experience, Tony? Road safety is basically down to the drivers. It's a campaign, what sort of a campaign? We can put up signs that were blue in the face, but people, a sign is just what it is, it's a sign. I think we we need to concentrate on training and especially of, of younger people and certainly not only younger people who are starting their driving career but we need to concentrate on people who've been driving for a long time because we've had we have new road signs that people don't know about. I'm sure Fran, you will uh, remember there was um, a campaign years ago, Michelangelo and the Box Junction. I do indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't seen any campaigns recently to. We've had new, we have maximum 80 kilometre an hour signs. We have loop road signs. We have these sort of signs that have not really been publicised. I, I think we need, perhaps, uh, we need an advertising campaign. Whatever about protesting and campaigns, we, we need to see some change in attitudes as well. We need to, to make sure that the driving is safe for everyone. And the safety is, is basically, it's incumbent on the person driving a particular vehicle be safe themselves and to make everywhere safe for the other people using the road. We can't just expect a campaign to, to protest. And yes, to have nice roads would be would be lovely, but there are other things. We've got a health service that we have to fund. We have other things that maybe need the money more urgently, but certainly what we've got, we have to make the best use of and we have to use it safely. And certainly we need to try and educate people to, to drive uh, safely. We need to start Maybe it should be part of our education system. Most people at some stage have to drive for a job or have to do it. They have to commute. And because we live in the country, we don't have public transport that gets you to work for seven o'clock in the morning in Clonmel or mm. Mm. nine o'clock in the morning in Tipperary. We don't have that. 
And so people are, they're bound to, 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 to have to, to, to make their own way. And one of these things is that they have to use our public road network. And to do so effectively and safely, we need to educate people. And perhaps it should be part of our, of our curriculum in schools. Start young. Get people educated. Get them interested in how they can, they can be a good driver. I think we have a lot of people. I can speak for myself. I enjoy driving. I mm. like driving. I drive mm. to Me Greece. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, is, it is a great freedom that we have. But again, it's not a right. You have to earn it. You have to be mm. sensible. You have to do these things. You have to obey laws. And we need to, to, to um, instill this in people as well. And we have, we have a situation where a lot of people who are probably now in their late 50s, early 60s, and maybe a bit older, never undertook a local authority driving test. Because back in the late 70s, if you were on your third or subsequent provisional licence, there were licences handed out. Well, hands up on that one, Tony. That's how I got my licence at the time in 1979, you know, so, yeah. And I think you, you would probably agree. The state have taken no responsibility whatsoever of ever coming along and saying, right, you've been driving for 10 years. Would you like a refresher course? Would you like to be... Um, <clears throat> refreshed on modern road signage, on things like this. Mm. Again, we need to get the, the insurance companies on yes, board. Yes, make it attractive for people to do that by getting a percentage off their insurance or something. I mean, wouldn't that be... <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. We have... Um, we see it in commercial drivers, professional drivers, yeah. as they're called, yeah. and they have to complete CPC, things like that. Why not have something similar for, for, um, for mm. car drivers? We have a lot of people whose driving career started long before our road network has reached the stage it is at now. And let's be honest, our roads are not that bad. They're not that bad. Uh, now, Tony, some, some of them are appalling. Some of them are absolutely appalling. Okay, maintenance is a huge thing because we're a rural country. Mm. But by and large, we have a reasonably good road network. Yeah. We Okay, so we have twists and turns, but you've got to alter your speed. You've got to be able to... to um, to adjust your speed and, and drive according to the road conditions. We're, we're not mm. the the eighty kilometer an hour and things like this. It's it's not a target. If you're not able to do it, you're not able to do it. But we we need to be able to get people to um, to be able to to abide by our laws insofar as practical, and also to be able to, to be safe drivers. And there are lots of things there. Lots of things have changed. Roundabouts are a thing that that have really only become a feature in the last. 30 mm-hmm. years yeah. maybe yeah. and um, we, we still have we still have uh, driving test centres in places where the roundabouts are minuscule yes. n- not proper roundabouts at all uh, so yes and of the, course and the, 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 the driving instruction as well it doesn't take you onto a motorway but when you if you get your test you can immediately uh, sail off down a motorway without ever having well, experience well not not 100% you have to have in possession you have to be in possession of your driving licence even if you pass your test, you can't go on a dual carriageway or on a motorway until you have your driving license. You have to have your full license. Mm. So you you get your your pass certificate, you send that off, and you get your license. Then you can head off on a on a motorway on mm. your own, mm. supposedly never having been on one before, which I think is ludicrous. Yeah, absolutely. I do you find it again? My own experience in the mornings is that people are driving like lunatics, Tony. I mean, I, I find it much worse than the last couple of years, for example. I think. It is worse for the simple reason that we have more traffic, especially since COVID and things, we have a lot more traffic on the road. And then if you have somebody who is maybe not competent, 
who are maybe in the perception of the drivers behind and driving fast enough, it does induce other people to maybe take more risks to overtake them to get to where they want to go. So, you mm. know, slow driving is not necessarily careful driving because it can lead to other people taking risks to try and get yes. past them. And, and, can I, and again, uh, taking your experience into account, can I ask you something? You can have all the education and instruction in the world, Tony, but if you put a young lad, and I'm deliberately saying a young lad here, full of testosterone, into and, and now a lot of the young lads starting off, they seem to have big German cars and the like as well. So put them into something like that. You're going to get an element of madness, are you not? I suppose inherently you will, yes. Um, I suppose we all at a younger age thought we were immortal. Invincible. Yes, yeah. And invincible. And uh, that, 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 this, that we were all, we all perceived ourselves to be excellent drivers. I know um, I, I passed my test when I was 18 and I did my truck license then about two years later. And I thought I could drive until I was sent to Templemore to do uh, the driving um, uh, uh, course mm. in Angarda Siakana, which I believe was one of the best courses I ever did. I mean, it's the type of course every, every driver should have to do because it was extremely intensive. And what did and, you discover uh, about your own driving there? I suppose it, it showed up the shortcomings in the instruction that I'd got to pass a local authority test. It showed up the inaccuracy, uh, the, the total inadequacy of the local authority test wow. in in your ability to actually perceive what's happening in front of you and um, basically to be a good driver. Mm. No, I'm not saying bad drivers uh, pass the, the test, but certainly the... I would, and to this day, I certainly believe that the local authority or the NDLA test is more of a box-ticking exercise than a test of your ability to, to drive a car safely and properly. Uh, how can you, in most cases, test somebody's ability to drive from A to B on a motorway and maybe up to Dublin, something like that, by driving around a town at basically 50 and 70 kilometres an hour, maybe 80 kilometres, if you're lucky? You can't. It, 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 you can't. It's, it's not you going can't. to test them. No, you, know? you can't. The, the driving test, we all know, and I, I, I saw it spoken about recently on uh, the media, they were talking about the, the driving test and stopping behind the stop line, which you have to do because this yes. is one of the things. But in most cases, the stop line is in a position where you can't see safely. So you have to stop because the law tells us you have to stop behind a, a stop line. But then you have to, what in, in often termed in the business as peep and creep, where you're creeping out and peeping yeah. left and right to see if it's, if it's clear. And th these are the things where the test becomes a box-ticking exercise rather than your ability to actually demonstrate uh, safe, careful driving. Yeah, somebody's trying to drag you into an argument here, but making an interesting point all the same, that we have a lot of people coming into the country now um, from other countries, and they're driving here now as well. And he's wondering, does Tony have an opinion on that? Should they be tested in some way? Because, of course, standards are different in different countries, I suppose. Standards are different. in, in Now, we have tried to do something in relation to that in in regards to the EU uh, licence and there are certain other territories can yes. exchange their licence for an Irish driving licence. We also have many countries um, that they have what they call reduced essential driver training, reduced EDT, where all they have to do is uh, complete six 
um, EDT lessons with an approved driving instructor. And uh, this certainly, I have trained, I, I have had a lot of pupils who are only having to do the six. And their driving leaves an awful lot to be desired. And I actually had one man who actually, I, I actually had to ask him, How, did you actually do a driving test? And he laughed at me and he told me straight out that he bought it. Wow. And that was the first time that it had ever been absolutely admitted to me straight out that he, he had bought it. I, I won't name the country or anything, but certainly it's become a feature and, and any driving instructor throughout the country will probably more than likely agree with me that we we urgently need to review the reduced EDT here. And we urgently need to review what... Uh, I know in England at the moment now the motorway driving is part of it because at least you're allowed on a motorway as a learner driver with an instructor. And it, it does mean that you have some level of, oh, of, yes. um, of training to and, get and, on the and motorway. And that gentleman who told you that he bought his licence, essentially, would you have deemed him not fit to be driving on the road? Certainly not fit. Uh, certainly not fit to drive on the road, no. Um, I have taken him out two or three times so far. And we are still in an industrial estate setting because I couldn't take him out on the road. But he had a full licence from another country. And do you think that's rare or do you think that's prevalent? No, I do not. In my experience, I've had several people from um, countries that have an agreement for only six EDTs and they are certainly not fit to go out on the road. The, 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 The one huge problem here, and it's an anomaly, they are entitled to drive uh, with their home country licence here. If they hire a car, they're entitled to use it and drive here. And it's, it's, it's rather like the anomaly here where people are not turning up for the test. That, those figures were published recently mm-hmm. by the, the um, Road Safety Authority about people not turning up for a test because they have to apply for their test to renew their licence, to renew their learner permit. Yes. And uh, by not turning up for the test, it's an anomaly that allows them to continually drive on a learner permit. Why aren't the powers that be listening to people like you and other instructors? Well, um, it it is a huge bone of contention, certainly from my perspective, and I think a lot of other driving instructors will say exactly the same, that the Road Safety Authority will not really engage with us. We are the people on the ground, and the Road Safety Authority will not engage with us in a meaningful way uh, to, to, to get our views on these sort of things. Uh, we are the people that see what's happening. It's all very well being in an office in, in um, Mayo and Ballina and, and uh, 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 having all these dictates about what we have to do, but to actually reverse the situation and ask us, do you think there's something that we could do to try and improve it. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case. My God. And finally, can I ask you, because a couple of listeners, last time I spoke about this, a couple of listeners were telling me, and I can't remember, I think it may be in the Netherlands, but the the system of driving instruction involves an element of time in a sort of a, a, a disused airport or something where it could be simulated, the idea of oil spills or simulated ice on the roads and or, or water uh, aquaplaning or whatever. Do, do you think that's an option? Is that a good idea to be able to simulate? And I, I, I presume you had this in Temple Moor, some sort of a simulation. 
we had we had intensive grain. We did we didn't have uh, the the um, stimulated um, ice drinks and things like that. No, um, unfortunately, I, I, that would be nice. But even if that were available as an option that you could uh, to improve your skills, yes. But certainly, I can't comment in relation to to uh, that in relation to the Netherlands and places like that. But certainly, I know in a lot of countries, and I can. In uh, I was talking to a person in Greece, a driving instructor in Greece recently, and they are up on twenty five um, lessons. <clears throat> And certainly North Macedonia, which would not be an EU country, um, former Yugoslavia, uh, they are on 35 lessons. And we're on 12, I think, is it? We're on 12. Yeah. Now, 12, you see, unfortunately, 12 seems to be the magic number. People seem to have, and I think it, it, it maybe needs to be um, the Road Safety Authority need to come in here and reiterate that 12 is the minimum. And that is the essential driver training, which it is. Uh, but the the other thing is that the you will unless you're a good driver, you will not pass your test in in twelve lessons. You need some experience. But the the actual thing of of, of coming along and um, practicing between those is where the the bone of contention with with a lot of the training is at the moment. That unless you can practice, uh, you're not really going to get through. And practice is what will make it uh, mm. make it easy for the driver. And again, we have huge anomalies here that we have some insurance companies um, requiring 10 lessons before they can get on a policy. So we, we have anomalies here. Again, there seems to be a huge disparity between what um, different insurance companies will do and the, their criteria to get young people on the road, to try and get them on a, um, a spouse or parents Mm. policy yeah. uh, it, it, it's very difficult for young people again what about for the for the students in Dublin or something or students away from home that wants to do lessons during the week but they have no access to a car and it's expensive let's not be let's not be Extre- fooling around here extremely so indeed uh, finally can I ask you just before I let you go Tony why are the RSA not listening to people like you I think Fran the only way to find that out is to get one of them on and ask them yeah, I I, I, no, I I don't I really don't know. Um, we would be reasonably in contact with the Road Safety Authority, but even for us, it's hard to get a reply to an email. Well, it, that, it, yeah. it, it, it is it is um, it's it's hard to get a reply to an email, even if I send an email to them. I can't comment. I don't know. I love you. I would love you to ask that question from from the Road Safety Authority. Okay, well, it's just everybody who's wringing their hands with uh, the recent huge upsurge in debts on our roads and everybody was going to do something about it and there was much... And what, what's been done? I mean, you know, they, I mean, there was a knee-jerk reaction to go and change speed limit signs and stuff. But, I mean, that's... Realistically, that's not going to work, is it? I don't believe it will at all. I don't believe it will at all. Uh, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. The, it's incumbent on the person as a driver to be able to modify their speed according to the road and yeah. weather conditions. Yeah. You know, I hate using the analogy because it's been bandied about the whole time. You know, a speed, it's not a limit. It's not a target. Yeah. We all know that. But we've got to be able to move around as well. But we have to do it safely. And I think training is the ultimate tool we have to try and make that happen. And the younger we can start training people, 
most young people, and I think it would be fair to say most young people want to drive. Well, let's, let's make it happen for them, but let's do it in a controlled atmosphere. Let's try and give them the facts. You know, let's tell them the, the, the basics back to Newton's laws of motion. Mm. And, and that dictates how fast you can go around the corner, not whether you've got lowered suspension. Okay, things like that can improve things. But for the average motorist driving the average car, you've got to be able to modify your speed and you've got to be able to drive according to the conditions. If the road is wet, your stopping distance is going to be longer, you're going to lose grip easier. These are all things that have to be taught, I think, from day one. And we need to try and do something to, to, to help people become safer drivers. And we're not going to do that by changing speed limits. All right, Tony, most informative to uh, talk to you. Thanks so much for your time, Tony. Thank no you. No problem. Thank you. Good morning. Bye-bye. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 83 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie well, the HSE has been asked to explain the huge discrepancies in their own trolley figures and uh, the daily figures released by the INMO. Councillor Shamie Morris joins me online now. Shamie, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And uh, thank you for bringing this to, to our notice, Jamie. Let's take Wednesday for ex- uh, an example. The INMO released the figures showing uh, 124 trolleys at UHL in Limerick, but the hospital's own figures then, Trolleygar, it seems to say that uh, at its peak there was only 39 people on trolleys. Yeah, it's something that I, I've started to investigate since uh, Stephen Donnelly uh, has reverted to uh, using Trolleygar numbers to to tell us all that everything's okay at UHL. Uh, but interestingly, he used the INMO figures in 2019 when he was having to go to then uh, Health Minister Simon Harris. So he's jumping from one to the other. Um, look, I, I put in a, a questions to uh, the HSC at the forum meeting last Tuesday. And I have to say that the, the answers that came back were, were mind-blowing in, 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 in the sense that I got an average trolley count, trolley guard trolley count from 2018 to 2023. And the highest figure that they had in that time on trolleys at UHL was 23 uh, people on trolleys. Now, wow. that's a scandal. Wow. That is a scandal. And at one stage, um, um, they, they showed an average of 11 people on trolleys in, in UHL in January of this year. Now, that's, a, that's an absolute scandal that anybody can stand behind those figures. Now, and uh, ju- when, just when, for listeners, Jamie, will you explain? Because the, the sums are done in a different fashion, the HSE, the trolley guard, as you call it, um, they, they, that refers to patients waiting for beds in the emergency department only. Is that it? Yeah, they, they do their figures uh, three times a day, and uh, they say that um, they then average, average the figures. But but the thing about it is, these are the figures that are presented to the Department of Health. And this is the problem that's been going on over the last year. I've actually put me found out exactly what's going on. Because remember last year, the last 18 months have been the worst ever at UHL. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody can, can say anything other than, than that. Uh, they've been the worst, the highest trolley numbers in, in the country consistently. I'd say 99% of the time for the last 15 to 18 months, which shows that despite the new 60-bed block that, that opened recently, um, being opened, it hasn't put it. In fact, things have got worse. But so I started to wonder, we got no 
emergency provision last year for the winter health plan. If you know this famous winter health plan mm. that we the plan that we get, and and the UHL get actually no beds from the from the Department of Health. And I said, well, you know, why why is this the case? You know, but the the fact of the matter is that the figures that they are presenting to uh, the Department of Health are absolute total opposite to what's actually happening in there, and. If you go by by trolley watch numbers, and I think every media organisation in the country and every health spokesperson in the country goes by by, mm. by what the nurses are putting out, there's been 13,000 people on trolleys in Limerick. 24% of the people that actually go into the emergency department end up in trolleys. Now, that is not a hospital that, that, that that's operating well. And if you go by those figures and the figures that trolley guard are given, Really, there has to be every politician that we have serving us in Arthurbury, particularly our TDs, has to be asked to investigate the trolley guard numbers that are being presented to the HSE. Yeah, but but when you do investigate it, Jamie, it's they're they're counting differently. Completely, the INMO are, they seem to be counting trolleys that are in other places other than the corridors. Is that it? The on war, extra beds on wards, in other words. Look. All I can take of is, is anyone I've spoken to that recently that has had the misfortune to go into UHL um, have told me that it's an absolute disaster zone in there. I, I have, I've had photographs sent to me of trolleys being lined up and barely a space between them for nurses and doctors and health staff to go up. So much so that I've asked the fire chief in Limerick uh, last Wednesday, I asked the fire chief to go in and investigate it. So, you know, trolley mm. guard might be a way for some politicians uh, to hide behind or maybe the HSE management to hide behind. But certainly the reality is completely different. And I am now calling for an investigation into the difference between the trolley watch numbers and the trolley gear numbers because the trolley gear numbers are the ones that are being actioned on. And that action just is nowhere near enough, of course. There's no, I mean, well, you know. Well, for instance, uh, I, I've sent in order. I should have to be doing this, by the way. I'm a, I'm a, a lowly councillor a lowly councillor that, that, that has to work, that works part-time as a councillor. We have TDs with offices, uh, with staff, with researchers that should be doing this work. In fact, one of them, Alan Kelly, got elected on the back of, of, uh, of uh, taking 5,000 people around, around by the nose around, around the, the, streets, the streets of Nina uh, and, and looking, saying that he would keep uh, Nina and he hope. And, and the reality is it's gone to ground since. And it's is absolutely astonishing that, that the people of Tipperary um, are, are abandoning going to UHL. Uh, other figures that, that we saw at the at the meeting the other day was the fact that only 6,100 people, out of 55,000 people that had presented to uh, UHL between uh, June and September, only 6,000 of those came from, from North Tip and, third, and twice the amount came from Clare. So, so people in North Tip are going absolutely everywhere, better, better the so-called uh, centre of excellence in Limerick. So even you're saying to me, sick people are making that decision and saying, "I'm not, I'm not going there." It's, it's Brian. Too- I've said before, and I can, I can back this up. Ambulance drivers are asking people before they get into the ambulance, "Are you sure you want to get into the ambulance?" Because if you get into the ambulance, you have to go to UHL, and uh, their their bike, their protocols mean that you have to be brought to UHL. Ambulance drivers are asking people, "Listen, would you not sit it out till the morning?" Will you not? You know, obviously they're not going to be telling people that they feel that are in danger. They're not like endangering injuries, but they're asking people take a chance of not going into Limerick. That's even our ambulance drivers won't take people into Limerick. I mean, what are what are our TDs doing? I mean, you have them on. I the main question out there at the moment: TDs should be asked, "Do you trust the trolley car numbers?" or the INMAHO numbers, the trolley watch numbers, because at the end of the day, the trolley car numbers are the ones that are being actioned on. 
and they're the ones they're the ones that are causing us all the trouble I think all of us have, have said how can this go on how can this happen how, how can the fact that we were promised 600 beds in 2009 when the close Nina said John Dennis and 14 years later we're only at 530 for a population that has an extra 75,000 people how can things be right I mean how can we send our nurses our, our doctors how can we send our, our people in there working in those conditions that to mind our patients well, I'm not sure if you heard the conversation I had with the Tawnish there a couple of weeks ago. But, I mean, he, he for, well, for starts, he slapped me on the wrist because he said I was too negative about the health system in, in, in general. And then he pointed out about all the positives of what's going to be happening down the road in EHL. Does, it, does anything that you know of that's coming up there with the extra wards and beds and stuff, do, does that make you feel any better? There's a new 96-bed uh, block being built there at the moment, and it's, it's well into its building now at this stage. But that's only going to realise 46 beds, uh, 48 beds, sorry, 48 beds, because it's, it, there's 48 beds being taken out of the main hospital uh, to be put in there. So you're getting a next to 48 beds. You're still, at, you're, still, you're still short of the number you were promised for a population of 350,000 people. So is there any... No. How, how could there be? When, when, when the HSE daily are going around, spoofing the numbers. You know, they're, in other words, they're, they're, they're coming up with numbers that nobody out there will tell you that are the truth. In, in other words, they're, they're actioning their, their actions based on numbers that, that, are, that are barely credible. And, and, and I'm being kind to them with that. But at the end of the day, we need to sit down. I, I told them, I said, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to be off work for a while. I go in there myself and count, count the tragedies of half them. Because at the end of the day, what everybody is telling us cannot be, this, uh, cannot be uh, false that the place inside is absolute care. And yes, our TDs, including our other TDs in Clare and in Limerick and in Tipperary, are sitting on their backside and allowing this to happen. This is probably the greatest scandal that we have in the Midwest. 13,000 people uh, were on trolleys at UHL between June, June and, and September. They're all people who have families, who, who, are, who have had to take time off work We've had to stay in there for up to 12, 14, 20 hours uh, beside, beside their, their, their mother or their father or their brother or their sister. They're all people that, are, that, are, that have suffered over this. And, the, and as I said, there is no justification in, in being promised a centre of excellence. From all, when all, we have, all we have is corridor, med, corridor medicine where people are being looked mm. after on corridors. But I mean, I remember well, uh, Shami, in in the general election time, in, in general election in Tipperary last time round, the local elections last time round as well. I mean, health was such a huge topic; it was so obviously so important to people. But we don't seem to have made any headway, really. In fact, it looks like th- things are getting worse. I heard a brilliant solicitor on yesterday, and he spoke about Keanu Carroll, yeah, yeah, Doctor Doctor Hula, and, and you know, and the scandal of the. Of the, the misdiagnosis in, 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 in breast cancer. I heard him talking about how politicians and how people are able to paint something as reality when in fact they're not the reality. And, and that's exactly what's happening here. I probably, people are probably turning off the radio now to hear me coming on, giving out about UHL, because people hate to hear negativity. And, and fair enough, I understand that. But at the end of the day, someone has to put the message out there that things aren't right, that things are not just not right out there. People are suffering because of it. And yes, you will get someone coming on to you, the, 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 the tarnished to coming on to you and saying to you that you're being negative. How can you be positive about something that is so bad, badly being run, uh, like as, as UHL, where people are absolutely struggling, suffering on trolleys in there? What, 
what's your next step uh, on this? Did you say you, you were going to present yourself at UHL and, and count yourself if necessary? I, again, because it, it just cannot be credible that the, the, the University Hospital Limerick Manager put out a statement yesterday asking people not to attend because there were so many people on trolleys. Yet they were presenting figures to, to, uh, to, um, to, the, to the HSE that there was only 39 people on trolleys. The other thing is, if yeah. there was only 39 people on trolleys, and that's the most that they've said they've had on trolleys in the last three years, okay? Why are they building a new 60-bed block with another 60-bed block to come after it? And what, I found, they what I found very interesting is the, 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 the page in front of me, and I think it's the one you furnished us, uh, with, again, according to trolley car figures, the day in question, which was the 27th of this month, that was two days ago, um, according to the trolley car figures, it was down 9.73% on the same day last year. So that's according to their figures. In fact, it's... it's a uh, uh, And actually, uh, Stephen Donnelly went on KRFM and said the same thing, that, that numbers were down comparatively to, to the same time uh, the year before. Look, Tamir, again, <laughs> I'm a counsellor. There are TDs getting paid huge swads, wads of money. They have staff, they have researchers. Let them do the research. I'm calling on them now to call out this it's this trolley gear, uh, ridiculous situation where the HSC are using trolley gear mm. to 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 uh, to look for action on, on what's happening in memory. You can't have actions unless you present the, the. And I told them that at the meeting the other day. By the way, I said, "Look, you can present everything. You can tell me all, all you want." And the big long answers I get every time I put in questions. But at the end of the day, the figures you're giving the HSC are letting us down because because you can only action. Uh, on, 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 on the reality on, on true figures, which are the figures that, that Trolley Watch uh, that Trolley Watch are putting out every day, that every media organisation in the country is taking, and every opposition um, opposition spokesperson is taking. So we really have to get rid of this this Trolley Gar number. It definitely needs to be uh, it definitely needs to be put to one side because you cannot get actions on such time as you present reality. All right, Jamie. Good to talk to you today, as always. Thank you, and uh, good morning to you. That's Councillor Jamie Morris, Independent Councillor Jamie Morris. There, based in Nina, eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven. The text and WhatsApp is only three three double one double three double one. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on one eight hundred nine three eight double zero seven. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie We're along to the final hour of uh, Tip Today. Now, we spoke to the former Garda Representative Association Rep for Tipperary, Tom Finnan, earlier on this morning, and we heard his views on the prospect of a Drew flu. He told me about his own meeting with the Commissioner, which confirmed to him that he is not the right man for the job. Here's what Tom had to say to us just after nine o'clock this morning. My first meeting with Drew Harris, I had a go at him over the Operation Police and Model and my Tipperary and Clare work together. He couldn't answer me. And I said, do you realise the problems on the ground in Tipperary? And he said, no, but whatever problems there is... We're fixable. We're fixable as we're going along. And I said, that's not the way to do businesses. You fix the problems before you, you move on to a new a new gig or a new game or whatever. And I said to him, are you serious with this? So anyway, that meeting was over and there was an assistant commissioner there and I just happened to ask the assistant commissioner, why is, why is Tip and Clare together? How did, how did you come up with that? Please tell me because we had to go through Limerick to get to Ennis. Mm. The only cost
massive bind to kill a loo. Right? From someone to go, if you're to stay within the division, from Clanmel up to kill a loo, Fort Hill, and then go down to Ennis. Ridiculous. So the, the assistant commissioner, he actually said to me, we didn't know where else to put you. Wow. So, but that's what you're dealing with, friend. Like, you're dealing with a, you're dealing with a commissioner now who was put in place by Fine Gale, this government. They have to fix this. This government, or the previous government, led by Fine, Fine Gale, right? They have to fix this. He's not the answer, in, in my view, mm. to fix this, because he's, he's dug in. That is a former Garda and former GRA rep for Tipperary, Tom Finnan, who spoke to us just after 9 o'clock uh, this morning. Now, as you heard... During our news bulletins uh, over the course of the morning, Independent Councillor Andy Maloney has tabled a motion at the monthly Tipperary Care Cashel Municipal uh, Meeting seeking assurances that the effective closure of the Cashel Garda station would not be replicated at other stations in the district. And he joins me now. Andy, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Uh, Good to talk to you today, Andy. Why are you fearful that this may happen? Well, I suppose basically Tom Finnan is not too far wrong as regards fixing one problem before moving on to talking the next one because it like it had come to my attention that the cashel uh, this the substation is only open for two hours a day and at some stage only by appointment. Now cashel has been run by from the care district, but the care district superintendent now has gone to San Mel and the tallest uh, super is, is covering Tip Town. So with all these changes that are happening, I'm very fearful that it's going to have an knock on effect into the care district and that care is going to be run from San Mel rather than care being run from care. And that's why I gave the motion to the council to bypass all the Rick Barrow and Blue House and all the rest and go straight to the minister and get reassurance that the care station won't be downgraded and, and, and get it in right from the minister. But my understanding, Andy, is that the garden model has changed, whereas the inspectors have sort of replaced the role of the individual superintendents and the superintendents now seem to have very specific focus uh, on, on other things. Is, is that not your understanding of what's been happening? Yeah, the model has changed, but who says it's right? And that's my that's my opinion. If I'm looking at what's happening on the ground, and we're talking about uh, policing, all policing is local. And how the hell could it be local if you're moving your your your, your district up to Ennis, or you're moving clear into John Mail, and you're moving cash, you're taking cash out of the equation altogether? And my big fear here was just the small things like theft on the person. You have 400,000 people visit the rocket cash, and nearly 100,000 come to Gale Castle every year now. Mm. And yeah. there needs, at peak time, there needs to be a visual presence because the, t- the smallest of speech increases crime that will happen when you've that volume of people. That's what we want to try and address. We want a presence. But we wanted that presence that we want to be run from some time well. It's not going to happen. And the care district was running cash district and vice versa. Now who's going to run cash because it's not here anymore because it's going to be side time well, which is super gone. The inspectors are there. But the inspectors are, 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 are they answering to Tom Mel or who are the answer? Are they all answering down to the endless? So local care, yeah, the police is changing, and just three different units working out of care. You have the road police, you have the rapid response, and you have your own local guard. They're working out of, and we're all talking about the morale of the guard forces on the ground. And it's just, you can even see by the demeanour of the guard, you know, and you can even see by the recruitment of guard, you can't even recruit. Mm. So and Andy, and you've been working, you've been working closely with the guard for many, many years now. At this point, um, what what are you hearing from them, and what what are you noticing? Well, I'm noticing that all these changes that there, there is, there is, there is that there, there, there morale is on the ground. I, I am noticing. You know, I would be brought in at times there to witness signatures as a peace commissioner, different things. And you do notice it. And I'm noticing the change in care. Like years ago, 
Donc, c'est un type de guerre, il est où il est il est où il est, 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 il est But now she was ringing last night because the, the horse was spooked and she went up to the road herself to confront the care, which isn't right either. And and she's still waiting for, for, for a response back. So it's not it's not working. It, it, whatever changes they're making, it's not working. And, and what, what did you make of Tom Finnan's comment there? I mean, I have no reason to believe uh, to disbelieve Tom Finnan. He said he was speaking to an assistant uh, commissioner and, and he asked him what was the science behind the amalgamation of Tipperary and Ennis, and and the answer was we didn't know where to put you. I mean that if you're basing sure. decisions based on that, like where are if we? They didn't, if they didn't know why to put us, why to leave us where we were? Yeah, you know what was wrong with what was wrong with us running our own district? I, I guess, don't know. You know, yeah. and I and I, and I understand that that's a fight that different battles against. But what their issues were in the GRA and the GAD, I'm fighting the battle here, not to have the station downgraded. Now there was a, an amendment to the motion where we'd also seek. Um, uh, uh, written from the Insta about the likes of Ballyporina, Finn and Clarine mm. and all the substations because mm. we have lost many substations around the countryside and we want to keep those as well because your community gas is paramount to the likes of those villages in those areas and you know Cashel you can see the town of Cashel a vibrant town one of the most upcoming towns in the county uh, at the moment with tourism and all the changes up there and they're left without a gas station so I get present during the day the office is closed only up for two hours after dinner that's crazy. That's crazy. My view, that's crazy stuff. Um, wh- how much more are you going to... I mean, how much more can you information can you uh, receive on this? Or what are you looking for, Andy? Well, basically what we're looking for, we have we have five uh, Iraq members of both national. They didn't need to fight harder to get these read. They just need to get... But you see, but all, what we can do at a local level, we're, we're on different pay scales, the fellow said. What we can do is put a motion from the council and put the district office in touch with the minister and look for those insurances on our behalf. We'd still be calling on the, on the, the, the deputies to go after us as well. But mm. like this, our motion is probably in there with, with six weeks, and that's how far back I'm looking at this and, and looking at the changes in it. And we want to get a reassurance that we're not going to be downgraded as a result of all these changes that are happening. Yeah, I heard Matty brought this up in the doll recently, but I'm not sure... You know how how constructive the answers were were to, uh, to him. You know it's um... yes, but you need to you need to keep chipping and you need to keep chipping and bring it up next week and bring it up the week after. If one of them, you know they can they can yeah. all raise a PQ, bring it up and keep bringing it up. But you see, in this situation with Kia, we're on the motorway. They're all on about the traffic and of, of the drugs is coming on the motorways and so forth. We're on the motorway. We're on the crossroads of Munster, and Kia can't be down, downgraded because the first move is to move our superintendent. The next move then was to close Cashel and open two hours a day. So and, and what about the armed response unit? And uh, there's members there based in, in care. Have you concerns about that? I would have serious concerns about it because they're the guys that we need on, on our, our carry grid. They're the guys we need on the main thoroughfare from Cork to Dublin, from Limerick to Watts. They're the that, that you need to have central. There's no time to have them based below in, in Wexford and there's a problem above the breed around it. That's where that's where they need to be. They need to be sent to the way they're working and what they're doing. And I think here's the most central place for them. If anything, they should be upgraded to the station and put more police in the way. We can't get a guy to come down to town 
we have a festival or anything that way on. So I know they're stretched to the limit and at times you ring them and they say that we don't have a cab. But when we have big festivals, we have big numbers into the town, like even this week, you know, we have movies going on. You need to have a gal to walk down that town and just show a presence. If there's only sporadically for a couple of times a day, but they don't have... All right. Well, good to talk to you as always, uh, Andy, and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us today. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is Councillor Andy Maloney speaking to us there. Now, Christy is a former Garda and he's spoken to us on several occasions in the past and he joins me now. Christy, good morning to you. Brian, how are you doing? And uh, thank you so much for your time this morning, Christy. We really appreciate it as always. With what's going on with the Commissioner, I, I mean, and with your experience as a former Garda, Am I right in saying this is completely unprecedented? There's never been anything like this, really. Well, I, I'm not quite sure, Fran, but um, I do know the last I was on with you, I saw, I do body language a bit. I've spent the last 20 years dealing with people's problems after retiring. And when I heard the comment he made about these young student guards leaving the guards, he passed it off as, you know, you know, these things happen or whatever, you know. Mm. I, I mean, I think the man is not, you know, with all due respects, like, uh, if I got somebody to um, modify a guard, the guard force or improve morale is the, is the buzzword, I certainly wouldn't go to um, uh, an ex-IUC man. Uh, I mean, my memories are 50 years ago walking on the border where the guards were very well got and the IUC were absolutely hated by everybody, Catholic and Protestant, mm. in, in the same way. Now, of course, and that then, force has changed profoundly since... Since well, then. I mean, the bottom line, though, that, that was the, the force was, was made defunct, and they got a man then down here to to uh, to uh, modify or whatever they're talking about. I don't know the the jargon that they go on with, but I I I just had reservations when the world go because I know I grew up with nothing else, only believing communities and how you can help people out and everything else. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Mr. Harris would have no experience whatsoever of communities, none. Absolutely zero zilch. And is that evident now, you think, Chris? Well, that's the point I'm making, and I think that's sad. And I I mean, look, I can go back to, um, the, I mean, it's, this is not the first time in my lifetime in the guards that I see this going on, because we had we a commissioner before who, who got the high road as well. And I remember I come back after the race and time of the troubles and back after the race we were working in the prison here in the Midlands. <clears throat> and um, we were in, we, we came back to the race and we were playing cards inside in the pub in, in the town here and uh, the six o'clock news came on that he was sacked and the roar, it was nothing to do with, uh, you, you wouldn't have heard as much when Packy Bonner saved the, the, the penalty. So there is history there of people not yes. being, you know... And that's I that's suppose. interesting, Christy, because, of course, when Charlie Flanagan appointed uh, the commissioner, I think, was it 2019, was it? Some, something like that. Um, the, I mean, the talk was we needed an outsider to lead the force. We needed somebody to come in with fresh ideas and an independence of mind. But that doesn't seem to have worked out very well. Fran, look, the, the foot soldier runs the guards. If you have good foot soldiers, and I say this a thousand times to you, if you have good foot soldiers out there working, Fran, you don't, who cares who the commissioner is? It's not relevant. It's only when they try to to bring their own views into into focus. Now, I do arbitration mediation, and I think I do it very well. And I'm not, I won't apologize to for that because I'm useless at everything else, so I want to be good at something. <laughs> But I do know that there's a very simple logic. I've done every kind of a scenario the last 20 years. But you always leave a hole in the fence for both to get out. Everybody has to take a small bit of pain and also a bit of credibility. 
But if you're putting terms and conditions, you say, look, I talk to you all day, but my way is the highway. Uh, my way or the highway. I mean, I don't know where this man's um, ability to uh, negotiate is coming from, but I can tell you one thing, Fran. I wouldn't like to be trying to negotiate with that because I would be to be my first failure. And are you you making reference there to him insisting on keeping November six on on the table before he starts negotiations? Is that you see, is that Brian, yeah, you see it's a very complex situation. This roster business. Look, I mean, I, w- I was actually thinking about it yesterday when I got a call from those suggested or whatever, and 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 um, I was. I mean, I slept more on the couch than I did in the bed. I I, I had three young children. And and I I was a bad sleeper. And if you if you could envisage, Fran, you started every week doing ten o'clock nights, and you finished the same week doing six o'clock mornings. Wow. Right? Yes. So I mean, you know, that's why the guards retired early because they're basically burned out. I mean, there's not a guard alive that that, that wouldn't have a problem that worked those shifts that wouldn't have a problem with their stomach and and. Uh, you know, a problem with sleeping and that. I mean, I know, uh, I, if I had my way, I'd leave the radio on all night just to keep me company and put me back to sleep, whatever, but uh, I, uh, I'm a married man, so mm. that doesn't always mm. work out like that. But uh, I'm just, I'm, I, I know the rosters, is a, it's, it's, it's a very precarious situation. And but, when but you look guys, at both rosters, when you look at the Westminster roster, the, the pre-COVID one that he wants to reintroduce, and indeed the current one that, that evolves through, through COVID, the 12-hour shifts followed by four days off. And the, um, wh- what looks, I mean, is there any doubt in your mind that the current one, the, the, the COVID one essentially, is the right one, Christy? Well, to be honest with you, Fran, I'm going to go from a humane perspective here now, right? If the people are working with the present roster and you have basically no unrest about it, why fix it? Because it's too expensive, seemingly. You see, that's all right, Fran. I, I, I don't know enough of the intricacies about it, but I, but I do know that from a family perspective, from child mining, from all these different things, and and I personally experience with my own son who's in the guards, uh, and and I I do know that they like to walk. I I mean I would love to walk in my day twelve hours and be finished and get more days off right. because I mean, but look, they talk about being expensive and then they t- they say they're plenty money, but but I mean, put it this way, you know, money is one thing, but unrest. People being unhappy. Mm. If people are unhappy, friend, they don't work with. And I do know it's a crazy situation that let's let's remove it from the guards. If you see of a company and there's ninety nine percent don't want him, and and his boss uh, tells him he's great. Well, no, friend, there's somebody wrong. And the pro- biggest problem of all is is I think now at this stage that politically people should take off the shackles and remove the problem. But you see, would we not be giving out on a normal occasion if there was political interference in, in the force, Christy? No, no, Fran. But you see, I mean, political interference in the force. I, 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 I take your point, Fran. But, but on the other hand, could you run a business if 99% of the workforce are unhappy no, with it no, in could the not. front line? No, absolutely not. And absolutely. there is no point. This thing is broken, Fran. It's not going to be fixed. Uh, it's it's all about credibility now, and it's all about uh, saving face. And with all due respects, you know, in life, put your hands up and say, look, we made a mistake. He should never, ever have been appointed. He has made no contribution 
from where I'm coming from to community problems. He doesn't know anything about communities. And if we don't have communities in the guards, we have nothing. I, I, and I, I, I'll always end up by saying that because at the end of the day, we're serving communities. They're, they're also, like, I, I, look, I have no relationship with any of my authorities. I was terrified of them because they got me sacked. Mm. I, I was a thousand times more afraid of any person in authority at, at a higher level than I was of any person criminal identified. Yeah, and the comparison you made when you said to me, you know, do you know of any other country or any other company that could survive the notion that the rank and file really have no confidence in you whatsoever? But could I just put it to you for the sake of discussion, Christy, that the Garda Force is different. It's based on discipline. It's, It's based on the discipline that you describe. And if that discipline crumbles, it's very hard to police, is it not? Well, it is very hard to do anything when you're dealing with the public, Fran, if you don't have their respect. Yes. And, Fran, you can't buy that. Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's, I'm only just looking in from the outside. And I do have lots of problems with the, how the guards are working at the moment. I, I, I feel that they're invisible in, in most of the cases. But at the same time, I'm a realist. I know how the system works. And I know how how you can get you can turn people off because I was very fortunate. I had only one love, and they were the people I served. I didn't give a damn about anyone else because they were irrelevant to me. But I do know. I mean, I'd ask a simple question, Fran, and going back to our own blue flu, is is uh, where is Anthony Cunningham and our crew gone? Mm. They were they were making noises a couple of months ago, and they seem to have uh, gone underground. Because it's the exact same as the last scenario when 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 the blue flu was on. This is the sergeant and inspectors you, you you're talking yes. about. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and they, when the blue flu was on the last one, they went into work, and we got a pay rise, and so did they on our backs. And I can tell you, history is repeating itself now again. Because where are they are they happy with the rosters? It's fine. You you take a young lad today who's in the guards, going to to try and get promoted. If he goes out on a blue flu, or whatever you call it, the equivalent of a blue flu, he will never, ever be promoted. Wow. And they apologise for being alive. Anybody who's ambitious in the guards will apologise for being alive, because that's how systems work. And and are you saying to me if they go out on a blue flu or a drew flu, as they're calling it now, it will always be there on their record, is that it? 100%. Wow. That's... Um... That's incredible. But there's so many of them that will end up doing this, seemingly. Well, put it this way to your friend. If I was in a mode or in a frame of mind that I wanted to get promoted, you know, to solve a crime, you've got to think like a criminal. I mean, the bottom line is that is that in, in any scenario, if you, you have to be the good boy in the classroom. And is, is that sp- why the sergeants and inspectors, Correct. even though we hear anecdotally that they agree with the notion of hanging on to the the pandemic roster. Are are you saying that they didn't vote no confidence because they're worried about their careers? Well, no. Well, well, well. You see, Fran, I'm I'm not talking about them voting no confidence. I, I, have they any opinion on the on on the new roster? Mm. Have they any opinion? Where are they gone to? You know, Antoinette Cunningham like is very photogenic. I, I see her on a regular basis. They're talking about different things. And I'm not targeting her. I'm targeting her as a leader of, of, of uh, the AGC. 
And mm. I'm just saying history is repeating itself 25 years on. Where is it's, it going to go, Christy? What, what's going to happen here? Well, you see, I don't know, Fran. And uh, you asked me, I, I mean, you know me, I give an opinion, right? I know, yeah. But I do know, Fran, that um, there's a lot of people very unhappy. And there's, uh, I mean, the, the biggest the, the, the biggest victims here are the foot soldiers and the public they're serving. Right? Mm. Because I know if I'm carrying around troubles with me, I'm going to be no good to no one. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'd love to reform the guards because I'll tell you why, friend. I'd, I'd get them back to where they should be. But I'm not going to be asked, and I can assure you, friend, if I went up for promotion, friend, at any stage in my life, which I never had any interest in, I can assure you I wouldn't jump to first fins. Well, that's that's incredible because I mean some of some of the common sense that you've expressed to us over the last while, Christy, has been incredible. I mean, I know you're outside of our area, but for example, the notion of policing Tipperary from Ennis, most people just can't get their heads around that, you know. Well, you see, Fran, um, you know the bottom line is that you know if you're if you're like I I go back. I mean, all this to blame now is not on the commissioner, right? It's the system that's there, and it's some, some uh, shall we say, delinquents in research and planning, and that happened in the guards and in general. People come up with crazy ideas, Frank, mm. you know? Mm. I mean, I know myself. If I was down in Tipperary tomorrow morning, I look, if, if I went into a housing state in Limerick, which I did after retiring, and I would sit down with all the people there, we'd, I'd have an open meeting, sit down with all the people there, I'd find out what they want. And I would say, let's do cleanups here. Let's do allotments here. Let's get cracking on this. Make you feel better, right? So imagine if the guards were going around to different, you'd say, toddlers and town men, and they're getting people in there in different groups from, you know, from, from Neighbourhood Watch to Residence Committee. And so all powerful, and look, so powerful. But your look, your look, friend, you're home and host. I mean, I said something similar to you the last day about guards walking the streets. Nobody's going to listen to me, friend, you know, because you know why, friend? I have solutions, they have problems, and the biggest problem they have is they know nothing. I mean, I, I tell you, Fran, one little story. When I was when I was that Murphy man who was in charge of housing, uh, he was from Dublin 4 there or yes. somewhere, yeah. and, and I, I was trying to, to roll out what I was doing in, 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 in Limerick, and they told me that the council, the council and the Minister for Housing didn't talk to one another. There were two different organisations. And and you're talking about 10 years ago, and that will tell you why homelessness came out of and everything else. These people weren't talking. There were different organisations and they weren't talking. And and you, do I have to say any more than that? It's just, uh, it's. I mean, that's. I find that incredible. But anyway, Christy, thank you so much for your time this morning. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Best look to your friend. You, thank you. Bye you bye. too. Thanks, Christy. Bye-bye to you now. Um, 1800-938-007. Uh, text and WhatsApp 083 311 3311.
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And we have no Friday panel to today, so we decided to give ourselves a treat and speak to our two favourite ladies. I'm delighted to be joined by Mary Gordon and Joe Noble. Good morning to you both. Good morning, morning friend. Morning, lovely. Mary. <laughs> morning, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely to hear you both back on uh, together. And thank you so much for coming on uh, with us today. We're going to start with St. Anthony because we okay. discussed uh, this week that uh, St. Anthony has been named Ireland's most popular saint. And uh, we had a huge reaction when we discussed it on the, uh, the show, the finder of lost things and all of that. Joe, can I can I go to you first oh, of all? Are, are you... <laughs> Stop that! Are you, are you fond yeah. of uh, are you fond of Saint Anthony? Do you do you give him a few bob to find things for you? No, I don't give him a few, a few bob at all because I'd be kind of hoping he'd give me a few bob. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, no, I would, like, he's grand. He's yeah. grand. Um, I, I just see. I don't. I don't kind of talk to them. I talk to my mother, and she finds things for me. <laughs> does she? Yeah. She, do, she, she doesn't cost you as much, does? Does she? Well, she don't cost me. Well, even cost me at night. Um, <laughs> she, she, no, she don't. But no, that is the truth, friend. I often, you know me now. I'm yeah. so forgetful. Um, I leave things. I mean, I put me vape pipe in the fridge one day and searched the house looking for the second thing. Um, another day, I went into the coal scuttle yolk. Um, but and I said, "Mummy, for Jesus' sake, would you find me second pipe?" Like, and did she? And sure as yeah, wow. sure as God, the thought come into me head. Did you look in whatever? And that, I'm not bullshitting. That is the truth. Are you serious now, Joe? I swear to God, Fred, right. that I wouldn't bullshit about so, something like that. So no, Saint, no, no. Saint Anthony is, is redundant as far as you're concerned. He's not. Happy. Like, I mean, I have not, nothing against him. He's great and he do help people and blah, blah, blah before somebody gets the head off of me. Yeah. Um, um, no, no, no. I mean, they're all good. Sure, all the saints are good. Well, some of them were made redundant, though, weren't they? Where they, they got their walking papers. Mary, what about you? Are you an advocate of, uh, a devotee, maybe is a better word, of St. Anthony? I'm a huge devotee of Our Lady of Knockfriend, but my sister is besotted with St. Anthony, so much so as that she calls him Tony. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, a quick little, I won't delay, friend, but... Uh, no problem, Mary. Back, going back to 88, 89, uh, we were in the process of selling our house in Dublin, and we uh, thought we'd sorted to a postman, and he put in, ironically enough, the bloody papers in the middle of the night and the sale fell flat, friend. Yeah. So my sister said to me, Mary, if this works out, we had committed ourselves to our house in Limerick at the time, friend. Mm. She said, if this works out, you have to put a plaque outside your door with St. Anthony on it. And be this, friend, I'd say in a week less. The house was sold. We got the house in Limerick. I went and got the plaque. And it's hanging up St. Anthony's outside my front door. Are you serious, Mary? My I am. God. She depends her life on him. She says the prayer to uh, St. Anthony every day of the week. Now, I wouldn't be a Holy Joe either, friend, but I my go-to person is Our Lady enough because my mother uh, rammed it into me when I was young. You're called after Our Lady enough, so I say the prayer to her every night for everybody. Do you? And do you ask things of her, Mary? Well, I, you know, Fran, I sound like a goody two-shoes now and I don't want to come across as being, oh, she knows it all. But I've stopped lately because my health has been so good in the past year, Fran. I say it now to thank her 
more than ask for if you follow. Yeah, yeah. yeah Every yeah. night, and I have, I sound like a holy Joe, I'm not, friend, but I have a holy water font in the hall, and because I've artery trouble in that, every time I go out the hall or come in, make the sign of the cross on me for it and on my neck to mind me arteries, and no, in my head, friend, no doctor, consultant, hospital is going to keep me well. Uh, she's going to keep me well. Well, that's the a, way I look at it. Yeah, now well, I sound like a, a priest, friend. I'm not. I don't give every day on the knees, but I've great faith in her. She's never, never let me down. Yeah, but isn't that lovely to 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 say? And you're grateful for 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 the health that you're experiencing, Mary. So that's that's a good thing. I you know. am eternally grateful, friend. As I said to my consultant in the Beacon. Uh, I come in sections, friend. I'm like something out of Ikea. <laughs> I have to be assembled before I'm let out, friend. And when I'm out, I don't want to come home. So long may it last. Uh, well, long all may it through last the, it, yeah. the power of prayer. And um, so, no, I, I say it now in thanks more than because I gave me life begging for good health, friend, with uh, various health problems. So now I just thank her and say it every night. And include everyone in trouble, basically. Well, and, and, and fair play to you indeed. Joe, what about, I mean, through your many health issues as well, do you do you look to, I mean, I know that your mum, uh, your late mum is very important I, to you, but, but do, do, you, do you pray to other people or how does that work, Joe? Uh, to be honest with your friend, um, the angels, I love me angels. Do you? I do. I love them and I depend my life on, on Michael, depend on Archangel Michael. Yeah. And I do talk to him. I do. You see, I don't say I'm. I'm as I said to you before, I'm not normal. Um, <laughs> but I don't say Holy Marys and Our Fathers and all those things. And if I put holy water on myself this minute, I'd probably go on fire. But um, it's. Um, I do believe a hundred percent. I have faith. Yeah. Um, but it's my angels. I mean, when I go to bed at night time, I will not close my eyes until I have an old natter with Mammy and Daddy and my sister. And um, I'd be thanking him for a good day. And, you know, you thank him through through Jesus' name, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but I, um, I I don't go to Mass. I don't do any dim things. I go to funerals, mm. things like that. But um, it's, um, I, I, I totally, there's two angels I totally depend on, and that's Archangel Michael and Raphael. He's the healing one with the green shield. He is indeed, yeah. And do you believe yeah. that we have individual angels, like who, who look after us? Do you? Uh, no, no, they okay. can, no, no. They, they can all do the same thing. Okay, Mary, what you about you with the angels, Mary? Do, do you? Well, my 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 angel friend, uh, especially today. It's ironic. Come on with you today because I would have been fifty-one years married tomorrow. Ah. So he's he's my angel friend, but on a different spectrum altogether. She, as she rambles, you see, I'm lucky anyway, friend, because I was born with a call. Not C A double L, C A U L. Yes. yes. And is, just just explain that to listeners who might be sure. This is on on your head, Mary, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. the membrane that encloses the fetus, uh, friend. And I was born with one. You're supposed to be very lucky. Now I had that up to uh, a few years ago, friend. My mother left it to me uh, before she passed away. Now it was all crumpled and very. It resembled a very fine piece of greaseproof paper for all the world, friend, that would be very thin. And, of course, it went in shreds. But mm. it's supposed to be very lucky. But, no, uh, like Joe, friend, I 
my angels are in heaven, like um, mum, dad, uh, Brendan. Mm. Um, and when I'm in trouble, I'd say, you know, Jesus, not again, like, DSP bill I'd come and I'd say, for fuck's sake, mm. can you do anything up there, like? And it just all seems to pan out, friend. And like Joe, I talk to him. I'm going to tip later now for a hair appointment, and I will be speaking to him for Ireland on the way in the car. You talk to Brendan on the way. All the time. And you get great solace from that, Mary. I get great sort of peace of mind, friend. You know, I go over, you know, I'd be saying things out loud like an idiot. Brendan or Jess, do you remember this time 51 years ago uh, we were getting ready to tie the knot? I still remember what you said to me when I got to the altar, uh, which I do to this day, friend, like. Little things where we went, we went on a honeymoon for £30, friend, Jesus in a banger of a car to drink a carry light. <laughs> you know, but I speak I away and I reminisce out loud to him, friend. It doesn't sort of stick in my head. I talk to him the very same as I'm talking to you now. I It all comes out of my mouth as I'm driving, like. So you put up a lovely, a lovely wedding photograph I, I saw online, Mary, as well. You, a fair looker. I can, still a fair looker, but you were a fair looker back in the day as well. Um, ah, it, thanks, friend. Joe, what, what about... Do you do you get cross with the angels every so often? Do you get cross? Uh, no, no. No? no. Uh, one, that was after my son's accident was there, that bad accident he had that time. Yes, I got angry with everyone and everything back then. Yeah. But uh, then I, I kind of thought, well, he wasn't killed. So they did, they were there, they did help. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, no, I, I ramble away. Well, it's the worst living on your own anyway, friend. You kind of do talk to yourself. Um, you end up talking to yourself. I mean, yesterday, or not yesterday, the day before, mm. holy Moses, the, the talk about, you know, the air was blue. The air was the triple times the colours of the rainbow. What were you giving out about? The second in, in the appointment. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. But I love and honour of Moses. I mean, one of the stupid questions when I eventually got in, and it kept knocking me out. But when I went in on it, what, do you know who one of them was? What? I mean, they had me date of birth, right? Yes. Yeah. Could you be pregnant? <laughs> no, no, Joe, my, my favourite one is... Well, yeah. And when did you get your last second period? And, and a calendar appeared. Sure, I couldn't go back to the year dot, like. I mean, every time, it only took me back so far. Uh, uh, I mean, I wanted to go back to when I was 38, because that's when it was. And every time I tried to go back further, the second thing knocked me out again. When Ma- most Mary, you wanted to get in on that, Mary. What What was that? I, I did my favourite one. It's a sort of on par with that, friend. Are you sexually active? <laughs> Jesus, I, I need, I need I to think. Would be sexually think active at any age. To find something. <laughs> Him. Oh, um, very good. So no. you were very cross then, Joe, yeah. A cross cross one word for it. And when I went down yesterday for my scan, right? Yes. I got to the door, went to open it, and I nearly freaking headbutted it. The door wouldn't open. Um there was a yoke at the side that you pressed the button. So I pressed the button and yeah. nothing happened. So I thought, Oh, maybe I'm supposed to keep my finger on the button. And I did. 
Eventually, the door opened to a holy Moses. This one met her appearance out of an office. She, uh, she thought she was something, but hey, she was talking to the wrong one. But anyway, um, she stuck her head out there. She said, you only pressed the button once. She said, otherwise, it's like an alarm going off here. Well, why the second hell I said, didn't you open the door then the first time and pressed it? <laughs> so, so she vanished. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for laughing, but really, 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 you're getting too excited, Joe. You want to be careful, you see. You have to be careful about these things. That, that is... Oh, well, things are finding extra things wrong with me every second day. <laughs> Mary, do you do you, do you get sort of do you get annoyed with red tape and bureaucracy and you know some of the stuff that Joe was talking about there? Does it annoy you? Oh, oh, big time, friend. But um, um, especially when Brendan was sick in a certain hospital, I mean, you know, things like which is human. Look at we all get peed off at times, friend. Uh, especially with the HSC, I hate to say it, I give ten years in it, but. I do, friend, but then I take a breath and I said, you know what, my mother used to always say, things have a habit of panning out. Um, I remember, um, here she goes again with the religion, being down on all fours when I was five, when my son was five, friend, um, I was told I had to have two-thirds of my stomach removed. And all I wanted, friend, talk about asking for things as opposed and thanks our lady or St. Anthony or whoever, uh, for the graces we get every day. All I wanted back then, friend, and that's many years ago, he, he's nearly 43, was that I'd be spared to see him making his communion. Now, I've seen him do that, his confirmation. I've seen him engaged. I've seen him married. I've seen two beautiful grandkids. So things always have a habit of panning mm. out, friend. They just fall into place on their own if you have a bit of faith and Mm. Make the most of it. Keep a smile on the face and look upwards and onwards. Is but my Mary, motto. when you, when you lost Brendan, I mean, you must did you were you cross? You must have been cross as well as deeply saddened and deeply, you know. Oh, friend, I I wouldn't even repeat what I said. I was looking at a photo of him one day here on the wall, and um, no, I I'll have to edit it, friend. Mm. I looked up at it because he always wanted to go first mm. because he seemed to think that I'd cope better so I said typical effing man mm. you selfish <laughs> blank yes. uh, you got your way typical blank man and I remember Father Richie in Carradavon came down to pay me a visit friend and he started rumation about all the different stages of grief yeah. and I said to him you better get the holy water Father because <laughs> You wouldn't believe what I said to that picture yesterday. Friend, he marched me out to the kitchen. By the time he left, he had... His hair was like Jedward, was standing up in his head. <laughs> because I repeated word Did for you? word what I said to the picture. So I was annoyed at him for dying at 56. I was annoyed at him for leaving me, friend. I was lonesome. I was bloody miserable. But with the support and backup that I had with family, son, etc., uh, that, and good, a few good friends, friend. Uh, it panned out. Look, it still is raw, and it will be raw tomorrow. But look, he wouldn't want me to be miserable, and he made me promise that I wouldn't be miserable. And that he even asked me, he said, look, I hope you find somebody else and that you're happy, blah, blah, blah. And I said, not a feckin' hope in hell, that sort of thing like, but... Life is a strange way of falling into place, as I said, friend. I just take it as I find it. Yeah, and, and I suppose that is so important as well. Uh, Joe, what is the latest then on, on the, the medical appointments and stuff? Have you sorted out now? Oh, hey. 
don't bring up the subject of medical appointments. <laughs> I mean, the name and honour of Moses. Yeah. A year ago, I just actually was going for my briefcase here the other day, taking out things I wasn't needed and so forth. And I came across a letter when I was last in a private clinic in Limerick that mm. the HSC sent me mm-hmm. to. To this date, you know, it was the 15th of October 2022. And to this day, my doctor haven't got a report of him. Even though they said there was three teams gone wrong at the back of my eye, so my eye is going thick and But, but you, didn't get, you didn't get any report on, on, on no, what is a very serious that. condition, yeah? Yeah, it is, because um, when I was down in Limerick um, there a few months ago, which I'm back again in January, it's back there for my brain, and um, the first thing they asked me was about my sight, because it could affect my sight. God almighty. Yes, and I told him about, the, you know, that clinic and I never got uh, results back. I'm going to actually ring him. You should. Crack. You should ring them. You should ring them. And, and say, say you were talking to us on the radio and that we said you should ring them and we'll see, we'll see what we get. Frank Curry told me I was ringing you. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that'll hold a lot of weight, all right. Um, can, I, can I ask you both, before I let you go, about that letter we got to our agony aunt um, this week. One of the letters involved a young lady who's planning her hen night out, and she's wondering if she should invite her mother-in-law. She doesn't want to, but she's getting pressurised into doing so. Now, seemingly one of the reasons is that this young woman herself, that she's a fair old drinker, she enjoys a drink, and she thinks her her... her future mother-in-law mightn't be sort of up to partying and might get a bad impression of her. Mary, do you, do you want that, first of all? What about inviting the mother-in-law to a, to a hen in the first place? Is it a good idea? I don't, it's a personal opinion, friend. I don't think so. Um, my son and lovely daughter-in-law got married 12 months ago, a year and a half ago. Now, it never entered my head at any stage. The way I look at it is, friend, uh, I'd be thinking from the future daughter-in-law's point of view. You know, if I've won too many, if I start singing too loud, if I make an idiot of myself, is she going to say to herself, Christ, I got a bargain here? I think it's just for close friends, workmates, whatever, friend. I don't think it's a good idea. We didn't have them in our day. Uh, We just sort of went out with family Mm, and kept it very low-key. But no, I think a hen night is for the bride. That's just my opinion, friend. Yeah, close friends, work colleagues, and that. Joe, how do you feel about that? Should the mother-in-law be involved in a in a? Well, the way I look at it is, friend, um, if say the mother-in-law was great crack. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I mean, whatever. But if she was inviting her own mother, then obviously she had, she'd have to invite her mother-in-law. But like Mary, I think it is really for the younger. But then again, our ones get married too, don't they? Mm. Um, you know that's. I don't, I do personally, I don't think, I've never had the experience, all mine are living in sin. I never um, had the experience. <laughs> I haven't heard that expression for so long, the living in sin, I love that. And, and, what, do you th- and uh, what do you think about hen parties and uh, the like and, you know, weddings going on for three days, Joe, and all of that kind of thing? No. Well, well in the times we're living in, if they can afford it, let off. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I don't think so. Well, me, I'd be kind of thinking, well, everything you'll be spending on that. And I'm not Scrooge. Mm. But everything you'll be spending on that, you maybe put it better use towards your house, towards whatever. Uh, but look at, 
it, it, it's up to each individual, isn't it? I mean, they don't want to go out and have have a bit of crack before they get married to lay them off. Like, yeah, you don't you know, mind. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think anything less of them for doing whatever. Yeah. Mary, how, how do you feel about it now? I mean, it seems to me that weddings are lasting up to three days in some cases. And, you know, you have your... Uh, it's a bit mad, friend. Uh, mm. I could never understand this. Um, uh, and I have one. We'll, we'll talk about it down the road again. But um, this plus one, friend. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I do if I got a wedding invitation and it said Mary Garden plus, uh, plus one. Or... <laughs> be delighted. Would you come? Joe, I'll, be... I'll go to your hen if you come to mine. <laughs> oh, my God, you could be coming to my hen, Mary. Oh, my God, Joe, do you want, do you want to announce it on Frank Curry's show then? <laughs> I think now, watch this. Space when Fran is playing. Well, when, when we're, when we're hearing about the possibility of pregnancy with one of you and being sexually active with another, you never know where we might end up. Yeah, anything can happen. Anything can happen. I just say, watch this space the next time Fran's in Templemore. Well, that's, that's that no very positive. I've nothing to, nothing to announce anyway, Fran. My my sex life is like a, a, a motorway well, crash. The road is closed. It's like, it's like a what, Mary? Say that to me again. It's like a crash on the motorway, friend. Road, road closed. <laughs> Decommis- well, my- decommissioning and all of that. Yes, Joe. Yes. Yeah. My, my my road is well and truly closed. With <laughs> 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 two wonky hips and a wonky knee, Mary. I'm sure now I want you know. Um, <clears throat> oh, do you hear this, Commercial, I tell you, let me just. I only have a few seconds left, but we've been talking about policing all morning, and we didn't warn you we were going to ask you about this. But Mary, have you rem- have you memories of the Gardaí? Back in the day, have you memories oh, of a, a local yeah. guard on the like Mary? Uh, well, I lived in Dublin from the time I was sixteen, friend, and they were very, uh, they were very out there in Dublin. Like, but I mean, well, I'm, I'm happy to say I never had a, a close encounter with one. But there were, uh, you know, you'd see them on patrol and that when we'd mm. be going to the dances or when we'd be coming home. There. Uh, they seem to be more of them back then than there is now, friend, to be honest with you, like. But um, no, not as not as evident now. But then again, I'm talking about the city of Dublin, friend, yeah, because of I, course, I was course, in it yeah. from the time I was 16, like. Yeah, and Joe, what about you where local policing and local guards were concerned? Uh, yeah, huh? no, they were all grand. I remember one time, though, I went down to the youth club in the Moonatira Hall in Littleton on my bicycle, as everybody else did too. And because we'd no flashlights, local guard came across and he took all our bicycles over to the guards' barracks and we had to walk home. And then we had to try and face down the next day to collect our bike and we got the third degree. That's about as much as ever I was involved in. But no, they were. There was one guard in Littleton, God be good to him. He was lovely and I was mad about him. But I remember going home from school one day and I went around be Bella Marine with um, another girl because she lived up that direction. Yes. And he came along on his bike and he says to me, what are you doing on this road? He's keeping an eye on us, like. And um, I said, I'm just going home from school this way. He says, you're not allowed up the main road. He said, get up on my bike. And he made me get up on the back of his Jason's bike. And he took me home to Mammy. And my head spun around and my shoulders about ten times with the clatter I got off of. <laughs> and I, I tell you, that guard... Oh, I wish there was a video of that. I really wish there was a video of that. Listen, the whole county getting onto us here to say how wonderful it is to hear you both on uh, with us again on Tip Today. So, Mary and Joe, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. you. And you both look after yourselves and have a great time. Thank you so much. We will try. We will. Thank you. Bye bye.
Bye, Mary. Bye-bye. Bye, Joe. Bye, bye, bye. That's the wonderful Mary Gordon and Joe Noble there. That's it for me. Emma produced uh, today. Uh, Ali looks after our content. And Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel. I will talk to you on Monday. All going well. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.